And now, it's time for Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa. On 102.5 The Bone. Good morning, Tampa Bay. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio's early show. We appreciate when you guys join us from 5 to 6 a.m. every Saturday here on 102.5 The Bone. Be sure to listen to our regular show that is going to be on 6 to 8 right after this every Saturday. We're super stoked. We have three hours with you guys. Uh, hope you like it. Uh, we got Gray, Curtis, uh, everybody's in the studio, which is my living room. <laughs> and uh, we're, gonna, yeah. we're, having, we're having a great time. I uh, hope you guys are social distancing. And I, when I say social distancing, I mean out on the water. Because that's the best way of social distancing. You know, I never thought Curtis would not talk this much. I, I'm, I'm just looking over at him. He's like, I'm like, what is he going to say? He's like, he hasn't said anything yet. No, not yet. We're, we're, the listeners want to hear something from you. Let me think about it for a little bit. Okay, per- <laughs> per- perfect. No, uh, you guys know Curtis Yandel, our buddy from Rivard Buick GMC. You guys have been doing a really great job moving a lot of trucks lately over there, haven't you? Yeah, um, with the uh, all the COVID stuff going on, we're uh, we're paying special attention to making sure that uh, you can do everything online, and then we'll bring the vehicle to you if you'd like. And we're doing a good job sanitizing everything, using a lot of uh, a lot of hand sanitizer, wiping down steering wheels, all the touch points. And we're still open if you want to come in and look some look at something. Uh, you can call us, and we'll open up the doors and let you come in there and take a peek at it. Yeah, absolutely. I was there on uh, I was there on Thursday, and you guys had some pretty cool models. It's you, you just have so many trucks there. You know, like I said, guys, if you're in the market for a new truck, check out our friends at Rivard Buick GMC. We love them. But uh, did you get any fishing in this week, Curtis? Uh, not too much. I've actually been doing a lot of bass fishing, which isn't like me, but uh, all the way that, over here. The, the living room isn't big enough for that kind of stuff, dude. <laughs> Woo, came right out the, out the grill. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, ooh, only thing you can expect. Um uh, but There's uh mullet turning over outside right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you got <laughs> get get the listeners some cut bait. Oh, oh man. Dude. But uh but no, uh, no, tell us a little bit about the bass fishing because uh you know, I'm sure a lot more people are bass fishing right now getting that outdoor social distancing stuff going on than uh you know, just the folks in the bay. Yeah, I've seen a lot of guys pond hopping lately. I mean, it's post spawn right now, so it's a pretty hard bite. Um it is what it is, though. If you get out there and you hit them the right time today, this uh, little cold snap we had coming through Wednesday kind of impacted the bite in a negative manner, but they're still eating. I uh, used to do a lot of it up in North Florida, so I'm still figuring it out down here. The bite's definitely a lot different, but uh, we've had a handful of ditch pickles come in every time we've gone fishing. What mainly are you using when you go out there? I mean, setup and everything. I've never really talked bass fishing with you. Usually, I'm using bait casters and stuff when I do it. But So, I you know. definitely prefer a, uh, a low-profile reel when I'm bass fishing. It gives a little bit of a better action to the uh, worm or whatever you're fishing. But uh, lately, lure-wise, I think I'm too. I, I yeah. think everybody everybody in the room has indigestion but me right now. And, and maybe I Greg. feel good. I, I'm good. All right, this is so. <laughs> so, so the left gone. side it's is holding yeah. us down right so, now. <laughs> uh-huh. So no, uh, I've been using a r- little uh, Rapala lip bait, probably about two inches long. It's really small, and I've actually been having a lot of fish come unbuttoned. You've got to back off the drag a good bit. But uh, uh, my girl and I have been going out using about ten pound test, eight to ten pound. Uh, she's been fishing with the beetle spin because uh, it's easier for her to work. And uh, same the seems old to be beetle spin. Consistent. 
that's what I learned to fish with. So it's really cool to see her learning to uh, fish with that as well. Now, is this her first time bass fishing? Yes, she actually caught her first bass last week. You're kidding. Yep, it was about uh, six inches long, and uh, she was uh, pretty happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sounds sounds fantastic. She also caught the smallest fish I've ever seen anybody catch on a rod and reel. <laughs> so she was throwing these little storm. I decided to switch her up with the storm bait. It's got a uh, little treble hook on the back. Sure. She hooked a minnow that was every bit of a quarter of an inch long. The diameter of the hook was almost bigger than the fish's girth, and somehow it managed. Like she got hung up with some weeds, and it impaled this little minnow, <laughs> oh and God. it was hilarious. Well, there, that's one way to go about it. You'll have that, absolutely. But uh, yeah, um, bass fishing. Are you using braid or are you using uh, you know mono? Usually, there's two schools of thoughts when it comes yeah. to that. I like braid personally. So I fish braid. In certain circumstances, I prefer mono. It depends on how clear the water is and what the uh, weed coverage is like. If there's a lot of weeds and you're getting a lot of debris on your line when you're fishing. Sure. Or if you're fishing a frog or something, I use braid uh, because, to me, it looks just like the weeds. So. You're tying a leader, though, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm running about 16 inches of 8 to 10-pound test fluorocarbon. Really? You're, you're running a leader fishing for bass? Yeah, so I run braid to a fluorocarbon leader just the way that I do inshore. Man, um, I... I, I Fishing up in But north. only 16 inches. Is that what you said? Yeah, 16 to 18. Those fish aren't looking, in my opinion, they're not looking way up that leader like some of your snook and stuff. Well, well, in my in my opinion, you know, from what I've done, and, and I used to catch some decent bass in my day, I, everything was straight braid. Straight braid to the, you know, it, it almost, it, I felt like the water was dirty enough that they didn't see it, and it really didn't, I never even thought about that so hopping ponds and even doing a little bit of fishing up on the st john's again my experience is all from north florida um we did a lot of experimentation with my buddies we used to go fish i mean we would bass fish every day we were looking at the uh, ph levels in the water uh, water temperatures everything we kept a log for two years so we could literally tell you what stump a bass was under fishing really it was we dialed it in it 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 was obsessive it was it it, it was a whole new level that sounds like our fishing careers and um <laughs> What we found is we did a lot of experimentation with color, and we did a lot of experimentation with line. And we found that uh, 10-pound test, 10 to 15-pound test fluorocarbon made a difference to straight mono or braid, uh, and it was not nominal either. Uh, with 10-pound test fluorocarbon as opposed to tied straight to braid, I think our numbers came around a 20 to 30% better bite. Really? Yeah, and, it, and the numbers aren't made up. We literally had a binder. Yes, yeah, so, so you we, had... You remember those S's you used to draw in middle school, like the crazy S... Oh yeah, like we had a trapper keeper covered notes that we kept all our notes in. Oh my god! <laughs> the, the cool middle school ass. All my millennials know what's up, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I exactly. Well, I, I think I think a lot of millennials know what's up with that. And uh, you know, we 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 we, we three we, lines. Yeah, the three lines. <laughs> we we we've got a we got a full house today. We got everybody in here. Wilhelm, you do much bass fishing, or have you? You know, uh, we have a pond over by the house, and uh, when things get bad, I go over there and, you know, knock it around a little <laughs> bit. But, uh, you know, I'm not the best bass fisherman in the world, but uh, you take some chicken livers to a pond and sink them to the bottom, you're bound to pull out some catfish, and uh, I've certainly done that. It's fun. Oh, my God. Really? You're catching catfish in South Tampa? Oh, yeah. Over by Gadsden Park in the, uh, in the pond in the middle. Sink it. How bad are things? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you know, realistically, you know, we joke about it, but uh, I would eat just about, 
well, let's put it this way. When it comes down to it, I have eaten Jack Crevel, and I have no problem with it. I like late catfish. I have even eaten gaff top sail catfish. Gaff tops actually aren't bad. Gaff tops, they feed in the water column, so they're not bad at all. I've caught them on top water. I mean, they're aggressive. If you get, I mean, let's put it this way. If you catch one of those six, eight pound gaff top sails, clean it. You know, it's just as good, if not better than any channel cat that I've ever had. So something interesting here about Tampa that I didn't see up in North Florida when you're talking about the bass fishing side is you guys have got these turtles that are overly aggressive. So this week I've had two turtles come up and pop. Are you talking? Water. Are you talking about the soft shell turtles? Yes. dude, those things are good to eat so, too. And that's what I was going to say is I've seen these guys <laughs> eating them, and I'm not uh, going to go home and make cooter stew. So, <laughs> but uh, no, but they will hit a top water. I had some roll up on a on the little poppers I was using the other day. That's awesome. So you're saying that the soft shells will hit a top water? They will chase it, and they will also follow a buzz bait. Really? Yes. But have you seen them smash it? That's what I'm... No, I hooked, literally hooked a uh, soft shell the other day, and it was uh, took me a little bit to get him unhooked. Well, I say that because we were we were fishing at a, a pond up in Lutes. Probably just me and my dad and my brother, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And we were fishing uh, just for bass up there. A lot of good bass fishing. I was using, uh, I think it was zoom worms or something. At that time, those are solid. But uh, we, you know, just watermelon red, just the usual, just whatever. You you're usually going to use watermelon red, or white, white, 100 percent white, 100 percent white, or I'd like to add June bug. June, June bug, bug's good. June yeah, bug's good. good. One of those is usually going to hook you up to a bass. You know, so we we uh, get out there, and my dad's throwing a worm and just doing a static retrieval of it and everything. And uh, I caught a bass, uh, not a big deal, a little two pounder or whatever. And uh, then next thing, my dad hooks up, and this thing starts pulling drag. We're like, what the hell? I thought it was maybe a catfish. Turns out, it was like a five, six-pound turtle. Man. I mean, this thing was, well, I mean, realistically, it was a hell of a turtle. We definitely caught the turtle and released it. I mean, we weren't having any Zach Cooks and East any Turtles Day, but... Uh, yeah, they're out there, and I know they will hit artificial bait. So I'm, I'm curious how many of you at home have caught those soft-shell turtles. And there's there's a lot of, doing it for a long time, there's a lot of 10 to 11-pound bass in the ponds in Florida. Um, there's a ton of them. And if you're going out, one thing I want to stress, kind of a PSA, if you're fishing other neighborhoods other than your own, be respectful. Don't throw down trash. Um, I couldn't I agree I mean, more. I'm not going out there sitting on a bucket whenever I'm fishing. I mean, I'm mobile. I'm carrying a small amount of stuff. I'm dressed respectfully. Um, and, and in order to keep things open and available to everybody, you don't want to go out there and, and trash everything. And, and I see a lot of guys. The other day, I picked up a bunch of trash by one of the ponds by the house. And it was somebody that was fishing. They had a bunch of plastics and stuff thrown in the bag and all their food and all. To me, that's just rude. You know, let, let, keep it clean and let, and let take, that way people can take their kids and stuff out. Yeah, and, uh, you definitely have to keep it clean. Fish. You know, that's the best way. And, uh, you know, the, the bigger your setup is. Chris is showing me a picture of a great bass right now. Yeah, that dude, that thing's that thing is huge. Yeah, but, uh, but anyway, um, we yeah, have. his thumb's roughed up. Dude, well, that, that's the thing with the whole bass fishing. It's like, you know, bass fishing and grouper fishing are the same in the sense of when you end up with your fingers ripped to pieces, that's the one way to do it. You know, I mean. Unless you wear gloves. 
Unless you oh, wear gloves, like like will help. Shots. Yeah, are you making fun our, of me right now? Our, our, <laughs> I know. I, I think we're. I don't know if we're making fun of Wilhelm or Gray, no, but so handle so a largemouth bass. I mean, I'm just asking. To, I mean, meaning to ask you, Gray, since you wear gloves when you fish, are you wearing rubber gloves going to the grocery store right now? No, and I don't wear gloves. <laughs> oh, when I you fish. know that's. I, I never thought about that. No, I'll, I'll tell you what I do is I don't touch snapper, and I don't. I will touch a grouper, and I'll touch a snapper after it's dead. I literally watched you get molested by a dead fish the other day on Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got to. I what happened? I got to hear this you story. Grabbed, no, it was whenever we all got back. We were fishing on uh, the real Coquina. We all got back. Gray had been wearing gloves all day to handle mm. any fish, mm. and then you touched. It was like a vermilion snapper or something, and it was dead. And I saw you out of the corner of my eye touch it, and you jerked back like the thing was electric, and it stuck you. Well, no. First off, I didn't wear gloves <laughs> during the day. And I don't wear I don't wear gloves. I just don't touch fish. You literally gonna, have tan lines from them. What are you talking about? I, do not have, I have tan. I have tan lines that go up. My so you wear long gloves. You wear dishwashing gloves, like the stuff right. our moms used to wear in the nineties. Curtis, all right. So it's like you're making stuff up. So he really he really doesn't have he doesn't have tan lines. I no. just got to give him a hard time. So everyone has their fallacies in fishing. Yeah, sure. You wear gloves, and I'll share. I don't. Mine. I don't wear gloves. I, I don't grab shrimp. Well, ever. That's weird. Really? I well, how, do, how do you put them on a hook? I pull them out with a net and grab them with a towel. Hook goes okay. through, let them out of the towel. So here's something that I do with white bait and red thread towel. fins. That I do this with white bait and thread fins is I do not touch them with the um, with my hands. I only touch them with the, the net. So when I pick them up, put them in a net, that way I'm not putting my hands all over them because I don't want the oils from my hands to take their slime off because I want them to live I got longer. made fun of in high school for not grabbing a gator with my bare hands and you guys are using a towel to grab shrimp listen i got stuck okay I yeah i get like stuck it. every day i don't like it you don't like getting cut by fish i don't like getting stuck by shrimp yeah you don't. you don't like you know what i do nothing handle says, shrimp and, and it's, it's more appropriate <laughs> during these covid 19 times nothing says i had a good day of fishing like whenever i want to scream when i put on hand sanitizer that's a very valid point. I mean, I mean, I, I never, I never thought of it that way. But uh, we, we had, uh, we use a lot of Perel, so every time I go fishing, I find every cut and brick that I've had in my hand. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think what in the hell it is, but I'm trying to think. There's something that we use that if you, if you had like a cut from a snapper, I, I don't go offshore without at least getting some kind of cut from the braid or from my line or, or something, you know. So the worst is my dad used to use the soft scrub toilet bowl cleaner. To clean the bottom of the boat. Oh, with the, the muriatic acid. Yeah. And he constantly throws fish at my feet on the boat. He runs them up down the gunnel and he'll throw them so they poke my feet. And then <laughs> as a 16 year old, 17 year old kid, I'd be scrubbing the deck, walking around on the soft scrub, like crying. And my dad's like, you missed the spot, you know, over in the corner. And I'm like, that. The bleach burns, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the same man that hit me in the face with a trout when I was 14. Jeez. But with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and go to our first break. We'll be right back in just a second. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. <laughs> and we got a we got a fun morning show for you today. <laughs> You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Now, back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. 
Okay, what's up, guys? We're back, and you're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio's early show, and we're just talking about Gray with the gloves. I mean, he's got the tan lines. I don't. Ha- I do not wear gloves. <laughs> I've got this I, mental image of him with those yellow gloves. You know the ones I'm talking about. Your mom used to wash dishes with them. Yeah, the ones. Right, that, just the me. ones that are probably the only thing at Walmart right now. They're in, like the in gardening the se- section of Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dexter used to wear them on Dexter's laboratory. Like. <laughs> hey, well. Oh my God, Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. How old are you, Chris? Uh, almost 40. <laughs> are you really? Yeah, next month, actually. 39. Oh, 40, dude, maybe. that sucks. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I know, I'm just stressing around. It's going to happen to all of so us. So you retiring in the next year yeah. or what? I yeah. mean, once I, get this, <laughs> once I get this stimulus check, it's like I'm basically retired. I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. So what? I'm rich. <laughs> well, well, you know the uh, one thing. Are they that, actually sending those out? Uh yeah, dude, it's coming. Yeah. They're they're actually sending it? A, they're sending them out. Uh, oh. I I don't think I'm gonna get one. Yeah, but, I'm uh, not 100 percent sure. I'm. Uh, what's the criteria for them? Uh, I I, be, I I believe that oh, uh, no, no, no 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 not at all not at all. They're, no, you uh, can make pretty good it's, money it's and still a, get one. It has to do with your tax structure and a couple other things. Yeah, it, and it's so just complicated. Yeah, it is. There's and if, especially if you're self-employed, there could be some complications behind it, but. It's to my understanding, it's like if you claim that you make above a hundred thousand, then you don't get it. But then there also could be deductions that go against your taxes and all this other kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't. You know, the the people that I want to get it are the people that deserve it because you know, as much as you know, that's one thing. You know, we're trying to have fun with the show with you guys, but at the same time, we understand that a lot of y'all out there are hurting. And uh, as soon as we get back into the studio, uh, we're having problems with being able to fulfill. Um, we're going to probably have one show where we're going to be doing the gas money giveaway that you guys have become used to. And we're probably going to give away maybe like six of those $25 gift cards. Can I do, I know we always do hashtag no free ads. Can I talk about something, naming a company that doesn't sponsor us? It's a little close to my heart right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it's going to help the people out there. Absolutely. So so Thursday, um, I went into one of my favorite stores, which is Boaters Republic. Is a brand they really advertise and sponsor the lifestyle that I live and that, that I admire, and uh, they are open now for business, guys. Um, if there's any, if you need anything, they've got a bunch of boat stuff, they've got a bunch of tackle, t-shirts, whatever it is. Go take care of them. There, uh, I had a, a pretty good heart to heart with the owner, uh, talking about where they stand from a business standpoint right now. And like a lot of guys that are small businesses, they're hurting. And personally, I know a lot of people are saying now to hold, hold up in your house, don't do anything, whatever you believe in right now, I firmly believe that the only way a lot of our small businesses and our friends are going to make it through is if you go support them in this tough time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I was just talking with my friend Mike Mahoney that uh, they do a lot of, they, they keep a lot of people outfitted from the port of Tampa. You couldn't ask them for a nicer guy it, than Mike, too. Yeah, it, exactly. And it's one of those things, and Mike, you know, Mike and I talked about it. Mike hates the fact that, you know, all these other businesses that you know that are in the area around him because he knows a lot you know small businesses stick together and uh you know all the other businesses mike feels really bad because you know a lot of folks that aren't doing what are deemed essential stuff are closed down as a matter of fact i was trying to pick up an additional microphone uh this afternoon uh honey phone no no um a, a different an additional microphone a, a microphone Oh, I'm Mah- a bad dad joke. I'm out. I'm sorry. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't even catch it. it. It's way over my head. So, but luckily, this is the early show. I'm sure you guys are just waking up. Uh, even though that we uh, we actually are, um, you know, 
we recorded this one, uh, you know, just the day before. So, uh, but I, I can't say enough how much you guys need to support your local businesses. And uh, I, I think that's really important right now. I'm trying to do the best I can to support my local businesses, the people that are dear to my heart. Um, you know, we, we've got, you know, wh- who, are you, who are you talking about, by the way? With what? You, you started talking about this this company. We didn't go oh, no, into it. Motors Republic. I, I, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. No, I mean it's. Again, they're a great I, company. I really like the one on Fourth Street in St. Yep. Petersburg. Yeah, I like they, those they've guys. They've got one in the Virgin Islands as well. They they do they really? Yep. Yeah, but the Virgin Islands are closed, and this is their busy season. And every time I've gone in there, I've never you know I've gone in there, sat down, had a couple of drinks. They do have like beers and stuff in there. Um, well, they don't have that anymore. I mean, because not, of, not currently, but yeah, previously, yeah. Um, and I think now they do offer them to go. But yeah, uh, they, I, yeah, uh, local businesses definitely offer those drinks to go now too. The, uh, I mean, that's something. The owner who doesn't know me from Adam, I mean, he's talked to me a handful of times. Probably doesn't recognize me. It's because he's dealing with a lot of people. Is always been the most humble, courteous person that I've ever met in a business like that. And talking to him today or Thursday, his biggest concern was that he had to lay off a bunch of employees and oh, you can tell by talking to him he was more concerned about his employees than he was and we got in depth in conversation i mean he's scared like the rest of us are now anybody that works sure. in sales or owns a business or anything like that we're all a little timid of what's to come and his biggest concern was the employees well, and, and the welfare of everybody else well just because you know just because we do the radio show and stuff like this you know it's kind of our job guys at home to keep you entertained so uh you know never take uh Never take our, our antics and stuff on here for, you know, any lack of understanding of what is actually going on out there. We understand, you know, life's really kicking a lot of us in the ass right now. There's no lack of empathy here. We just exactly. Have, I mean, but we're and guys have some common courtesy when you're fishing off ground or off land right now. Yes. Don't. So I was complaining to Zach earlier today. Uh, they had shut down the Gandy Beach area, and uh, people were still going down there, and the cops were actually being really... That place. area should probably be quarantined anyway, I'm yeah, just saying. Probably. If you've been to Gandy Beach, you probably are immune to COVID. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, the cops are actually really nice down there. We were down there, and they drove by, and somebody was on a bullhorn going, Hey, guys, it's a privilege. Make sure, because this is closed, make sure you all stay apart. Make sure you're being respectful and maintain a minimal footprint. And you got guys running around on dirt bikes, stuff like that, making a big scene out of it. Big groups congregating. I mean, I'm talking groups of 20 so, or 30 people. I got to say this. I feel like you ought to be able to ride a dirt bike on Gandy Beach if you want to. That would be epic. Yeah, like, I mean, what does that got to do with COVID? With a mullet. When everybody, yeah. And a bush light. A but, uh, <laughs> oh, dude. When, when everybody's bush incognito latte. down there. and you're morning. Spaced, when you're spaced Where's out. Where's Jeff Gross when we yeah. need it? When you're spaced out in the mangroves and you're incognito and you know it's closed and everybody's being respectful and not having a, a large impact on what's going on, when you got a bunch of dudes rolling around on dirt bikes and you got another group of 30, 45 people throwing down like it's a frat party, have some res- have some respect, man. We are whether or not you agree with it, we are under a stay-at-home order now and we do have to abide by some guidelines. Chris, you have a glove on. Yeah, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a snapper here in the living room. It's Michael (laughs) uh, Jackson. Chris is gonna handle it. If anybody's dealing with some snapper in the living room, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) This this might be the new shrimp glove. Yeah, new shrimp glove. It's red. Yeah, it's red. I probably got a 
I probably got a whole snapper somewhere in my freezer. I'm gonna bring it over. You, you know, you know. The funny <laughs> thing is, is uh, we got Chris over here just because uh, we're sitting in my living room. He grabbed up one of the Bubba Blade. Bubba Blade actually makes apparel and a lot of cool other gear now, like gaffs. And this is one of the fishing gloves. He's poking me inside of the head with it right now. <laughs> I gotta say, with their apparel, I did not expect much. I saw some stuff online. I got a bubble blade hat, and this might be one of the best made hats. I have. Uh, you know, usually, uh, you know, big shout out. I, I don't care. I'll, I, I'm not sponsored by uh, Richardson. Richardson makes a great hat, the 112 that we customize. That bubble blade is every bit as comfortable as a Richardson 112. Dude, oh, on one second. Oh, did you just pull my bait? Uh, that's the scout knife. That's the scout bubble blade. Oh, wow. This just dude. brought me back down to my Coast Guard days, dude. Oh boy! This is like a K bar. Can I see it? This is a, a K bar, but yeah. it screams bubble blade. It's it's pretty the sweet. It's thicker than a snicker. It's it's thicker it's than a saw snicker. on the back of it. I need that. It's pretty cool. Curtis, you just want to take that home trees with you. and stuff. I'll just go small tree like saplings. You know, if you were to make like a hut, you could build a house with that. That I'm would dead, be. A fun I'm dead serious. Thing. Yeah, I was a Boy Scout, man. Yeah. We had knives. We had knives like this when I was a, when I was a Boy Scout, and they'd have it's, they'd it's, have uh, it's, saw on the back and stuff, and you'd use it to cut down saplings and stuff. To if you were going to make it, or if you're going to get um, like some type of like stuff that you'd want to burn slow. You were a Boy Scout. Hold on, I just got that. Yeah, yeah. You were a Boy Scout. We got Lauren over here. You were a Girl Scout. I got to life. Chris is trying Aww. out his combat moves with the bubble blade over here. Yeah, yeah I know. Put it, I know I felt the put it away. We're, so, we're social distancing with <laughs> yeah, Chris playing yeah. with a knife. It'll be... I don't want to be in uh, um, uh, finishing this radio show from a hospital room. Yeah, that wouldn't Y'all be good. Up. You got some monofilament laying around here? Yeah, because we're going to have to st- we're gonna have to suck it up and do it ourselves because the hospitals are too full of people that actually need it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so when I was... Me and my buddies yeah. were overly... <laughs> overly hardcore at the ages of 14 to 16 so we would sneak out of my house at like four o'clock in the morning out the window to go fish and uh many many times we got hurt we were fishing in south mississippi running through marshes waist deep in pluff mud and uh, pluff pluff mud pluff mud like the stuff you step in and sink up to your waist ah you used to run through that stuff all the time they got that stuff in jacksonville too if you don't know about pluff mud you have never smelled anything that stinks that bad so I've stepped out of a canoe. To, there was redfish tailing everywhere. Me and a buddy of mine were in a canoe. And I stepped out in about six to eight inches of water and never stopped moving. I grabbed the side of the canoe. So I went up to my chest in this mud. The water was about up to my mouth. And the suction, you can't get out. So we had to work myself out of it. But one of my buddies, so he fell on an oyster bar. We were throwing a cast net. He slipped off. A lot of those in Jacksonville, too. And he cut his foot wide open. And Dude, I cut my toe in half in Horseshoe Beach in Florida on an oyster bar. I've what? had some bad incidents with them, too. They're gnarly. If you've ever hit one barefoot, you know what we're talking about. But uh, he was really, uh, we were dumbass. I can't say that. We were dumb kids. We were dumb we, kids. We, 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 can, we can say dumbass okay, on the radio. So we yeah. were dumbass kids. And uh, <laughs> there was a lot of accident stuff we'd hide from our parents. So that son of, that son of a gun was like, oh, no. And it was. we probably thought it was worse than it was. He's like, I need to go to the hospital to get stitches. And I was like, we're not going to the hospital. He's like, hell no, we're men. So we straightened out this mustad hook, straightened it out, and bent the barb down and put three round turn, like three stitches in him with 12-pound test monofilament. That, that is the gangster of the day award. So we, I had ding, my, ding, I had ding, my ding, buddy. Ding. 
standing there biting down on the cork on a rod. If that ain't country, I'll kiss you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where we were. He was biting down on his rod, but like he was trying not to scream. And I'm sitting there like, come on, buddy, I got you. And uh, somehow in those few years of wildness, we didn't die or get any bad infections. But did you die? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I yeah. My mom would whip my behind. I'd come home like all cut up and muddy, and she'd whip my behind if I got hurt too bad. So I got to the point where I would try to hide stuff and doctor it up on my own. And uh, there was another time I fell on an oyster bar and stuck my foot in uh, a whole Tupperware of uh, alcohol. That was the last time I've ever done that. What kind of alcohol? Rubbing alcohol. Oh, the drinking kind's better. Yeah, my parents were pretty strict. We didn't have that around the I think house. It's got to be sixty percent or better to be actually like medically effective. So rubbing alcohol is effective right. because it felt like somebody ripped. So what's Blanton's? <laughs> Blanton's. I think I think Blanton's is eighty proof. I can't remember, but that'd be forty percent. Uh, hey, so if you drink a sixty proof alcohol straight, if you drank a whole glass of it, it would wreck you, right? You'd have a bad time. I, I, think. I think you'd have a bad time. I mean, no, we were having an argument I wouldn't, the other night. I wouldn't night try it. it. I got a bunch of uh, alcohol. It'd be one twenty proof like at that sipping point. Liquor. You got sipping liquor. So it's sixty proof, but it tastes like you're drinking normal alcohol. Sixty percent. No, one twenty proof. It's thirty proof. Or thirty percent. Yeah, so sixty proof. Okay, but it tastes like you drink 30, like you can a beer proof. or something like that. But uh, I'm a little scared. That's to like double wine. No, no, no. Why would you be scared to? Because yeah, but yeah, I'm, whiskey's I'm eighty proof. With what? Like sixty percent. Running with the devil. You shouldn't say that on the radio. I know. I mean, like that you drink your whiskey with sixty percent coke. Don't say that. No, I mean, if I'm, if already, I'm mixing but... it at my house, who cares? <laughs> is it illegal to, is there, a, uh, like, a, I mean, if you go to a bar, they're not doing it that hard, but. How big of a glass? A Yeti? Like, a, that's a 20. That's a Yeti 20 no, no, Rambler. No, no, I got, like, a big one. That, or a 30? That, 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 is, that, is a, that is a 20-ounce Rambler. I know right. that for sure. But, I mean, there's a, what I'm saying is whenever you typically go to a bar and order a drink, there's a minimal amount of uh, liquor to soda. Well, at a bar, and I've never worked in one, but I know people that have. You would be the best sarcastic bartender ever. I could just see Gray being like, well, what do you want to drink? Gray would throw oh. me out of a bar. Gray would size the person up that sat down and be like, well, you know, uh, maybe you should have thought about that a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> I can see somebody. Like, Are you sure like, you want that drink? What, what do you recommend, Gray, going, whatever's on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to steer anybody, but at the same time... Uh, no, I mean, there's like, you know, a shot is an ounce, right? So if you look at an ounce of liquor and it takes an ounce of liquor a certain amount of time to get out of your body and you can only consume a certain amount. So you can only consume a certain amount. So shot of liquor is uh, kind of how you would measure that, you know? Well, uh, guys, we're going to go ahead and go into our second break. And uh, I love how it's... Uh Five o'clock hour in the morning, we're talking about drinks, but we hope you guys grab another <laughs> cup of coffee and join us after this quick break. <laughs> You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Now, back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Hey, what's up, guys? We're back. We are here to our final segment of the morning. We appreciate you starting your morning with us. We're about to get into our main show coming up here at the 6 o'clock hour. But, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're having a good time. Um, we hope that you all are, too. We're social distancing as best we can. And uh, you definitely take that stuff seriously. Uh, just because if it doesn't affect you, uh, you know, the, the older folks and the people that are, you know, 
susceptible to the disease and stuff. Let's make sure that we uh, be good to them. But there, enough with the public service announcement. Let's make fun of Wilhelm more because he needs gloves. Uh, are you are you going to need a pair of those Bubble Blade gloves? I mean, just for my right hand to grab the shrimp out of the well. That's about it. You also need some beard oil to grow that beard in. Oh my god! Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> yeah how, yeah. How many of you guys are just growing your beards out at home just because it's you know? So I shaved mine. Did you? You got it, dude. There's like four inches gone off my face. How do you not notice that? I I I, I don't admire your faces. Apparently not. No, so uh, like three no yeah three days ago I was combing my beard and I realized it was longer than my index finger on the chin. Really? Yeah, no, it was like three over three inches. Dude, you ain't got nothing on my buddy Mike. Yeah, but I'm not selling duck calls. But anyway, <laughs> so I cut it. Mahoney's gonna have your ass for that one. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, so so we talked about bass fishing today. We talked about uh, you know, uh, you know, one thing I want to talk about, kind of funny, since it's the beginning of the morning here for you guys. What kind of coffee you guys drink in the morning when you're about to go? I mean, what do, when you, when you start your day? You know, let's let's finish out this segment with this. When when you start your fishing day. I mean, do you like to have a cup of coffee? Do you have like two cups yeah. of coffee, three cups of coffee? And what do you drink? Because one thing, you know, Chris was telling me about is uh, he's got that, that silly coffee thing. I just use a Keurig at home, you know, or I, I miss just a pot of coffee though. You know, uh, nothing will get you up like going to Gandy Bait and Tackle and having some of Bill's coffee. That <laughs> stuff. That's because he's going to yell at you while you're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Bill's coffee is hardcore. I think it's like the... It's like the the old school Maxwell House. I think he like boils it in a pot. And like, <laughs> Who knows? It's hardcore. Yeah, uh, I picked a picked a cup up one day on a whim, and uh, I started drinking it. And I think he felt sorry for me, and uh, he he asked me if I wanted some creamer, and I said, uh, Yeah, that that'd be awesome. And he goes, What's over there in the fridge? And uh, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, and and then I thought, Man, he's being really noble this morning. And I thought. Well, no, he just knew how bad this coffee was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you can bet the next time we go in Gandy Bait, Bill's going to listen to us and be like, you ain't getting no coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you kiss my ass. <laughs> Whether or not I drink to- coffee, 100% depends upon how far away from the boat ramp or boat launch that I am. Yeah, I'll, oh, there's no question about that. There's That's nothing what- worse than getting halfway out of the bay and going, hey, guys, I'm going to need you to stop at Neil's or something. Yeah, that that's uh, that's that's definitely something that Gray. What do you what do you guys do for coffee? You, we we have a um, we have a oh my gosh, what is the thing called? It's not a Keurig. We used to have a Keurig. We got rid of it. Tell, don't tell now me. Now we have an espresso. Uh, you have an espresso. Yes. So uh, we normally drink uh, Stormio. That's the pod we drink, um, and uh, you know. When we got it, I was like, can you get these pods anywhere? And everybody reassured me, yes, you can. Wrong. You got to get them on Amazon pretty much or order them directly from Nespresso. Uh, but it is very good. It, it's, it's probably some of the best coffee I've ever had. But you, did, you definitely have to order it from somewhere. So you got to plan ahead. So every now and then, uh, when I don't plan ahead, I have to bust out the Keurig and make coffee with that. Um, which we normally use, like uh, Starbucks Italian roast or something like that. You know what I I, I really like doing, especially is because you know we live in the Gandhi area. Walgreens, Walgreens has the best deals on coffee that I've ever I've seen. Never gotten coffee at Walgreens. 
No, no, no. I'm not talking about like, uh, I'm talking coffee you make at your house, whether it's your K-cups or your bags of coffee grounds. True. They've always got crazy deals. I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, I think I, I think Walgreens coffee deals are better than Publix, better than Walmart, better than Target, better than anything that I've found. I mean, you can you'll end up going out with the. Um, I, I like that. You know, th- this is the uh, this is the luxury side of Zach's life, but I like that. Uh, what is it, Nantucket or what, what's the name of that? Is it Green Mountain? Pawtucket or? Pat. Pawtucket. But that I'm just messing around. <laughs> that, 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 that's when, that's when we say the hell with it and yeah, just pull the Miller Lite out of the Eddie and <laughs> start your morning like that. So some offshore days are like that. You're like, oh, what time is it? Six, seven? Oh, just hand me a beer. Yeah, hell with it. But uh, no, I think Walgreens has some of the best coffee deals, and you'll you'll find a lot of those fancy pants coffees, and they're reasonably priced. You know, it's like, oh, I get a 18 pack of K cups. It's going to cost me four, six bucks. I mean, who can turn that down? But, uh, yeah, uh, you guys have any, uh, back to the bass fishing thing, Curtis, what did you catch your first bass on? I know for me, it was a watermelon red worm, which is like, you guys know that are listening one of the most basic things you're going to find bass on, but, uh, my first bass ever. Yeah. I do not remember. So my dad used to actually fish a lot of bass tournaments and stuff. Whenever did I was he really? really little, we get a very competitive level. I remember playing with, uh, the, he would. Your my dad, competitive? I would never see that. <laughs> so, he would, uh, my mom would pull, like, the worms and stuff out of his pocket, and I would play with them in the bathtub as a little <laughs> kid. So, one of the first fish I ever remember catching was a bass that he he hooked and handed handed it to me, and I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, man. That's, that's pretty great. Yeah, I, you ought to ask him about flipping bass boats and stuff next time he talks to Flipping him. bass boats? Oh, yeah, man. The dude was definitely the guy in a 15-foot boat with like 150 horsepower Merc on the, on the back. Jeez, that, that's, like my bu- that's like my buddy Armando Martinez. He's got his blazer with a 300R on that sucker on the flats oh, boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you need to go 85 miles an hour down a flat? No, but do you want to? Yes. Until you hit that little ridge in the sand. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty fun. Uh, he was changing my diapers on the bass boat. You know, the only thing that sucks about like having this, uh, I-, I can't wait till we're back in the studio full time after this COVID nineteen thing goes because I really can't wait to talk to you all. You know, listening and take some more of your calls and hear some of your stories because our listeners have some pretty cool stories. Our last, our last show that was in the studio, we got to hear back from uh, not only Chris's brother in law. But we also got to hear from uh, my good friend Drew and his son that uh, he was sporting the Bubba gear. I love it. But he caught his first snook out with Captain Larry Fritch, which is pretty cool. Um, they got out there and they did a great job. But, you know, we love hearing from all you guys. And uh, I can't wait till we're back in the studio because we are going to make it rain with these gas money giveaways because they've just been piling up. So it's pretty funny. We have our callers that call in during the main show. And. Hoppy will, when Hoppy's working the boards for us, uh, I, I'm board hopping our own show right now, which is awesome. Ho- Hoppy, Hoppy, Hoppy's sitting there at the, at the studio, like, it's like, no, no, you're not. I'm, I'm doing the boards, but like, I've actually got a setup and a mixer and everything. Uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate that uh, we're still able to broadcast like we are to you guys, but uh, we always make sure that, uh, you know, Cox Media has been very good during this whole thing. They're just worried about the employees and all that. So we get it. I mean, whatever, but. Um, yeah, we love, long story short, all of you that listen to our show in the morning. It's kind of fun having an early morning show because, guys, we know that a lot of you enjoy our show. 
that are not fishermen because we're just ridiculous half the time. But all the fishermen, we appreciate you starting your morning listening to us. And uh, we've got some really cool stuff in the works when we can get back in the studio because we've got some callers, some guest callers and stuff that are for some pretty cool areas in the industry that I think you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just entertainment. So we hope that uh, you guys are enjoying it. Chris, what about your first bass? Do you remember? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know that uh, I caught a lot of bass growing up, but we had a lot of pay lakes back home that had a lot of catfish in them. And I can remember our families would bring coolers and lawn chairs and go out to this uh, Frank's Pay Lake back in Kentucky. And uh, we would sit out there and catch catfish all day. Um, first bass, I would say, probably from the docks around Kentucky Lake and Barkley and Cumberland Lake. Uh, grew up around there fishing with my dad out of John Boats. And uh, it was a lot of fun. That's probably where I cut my teeth doing my first artificials and things like that around uh, Okatawa Harbor. And uh, give a shout-out to Hugh B's back home. Probably don't uh, know a lot about that here, but it's uh, it's our sanctuary on the freshwater back home, kind of like uh, Hula Bay or Salt Shack here. Uh, I was about to say we got uh, we got JBs here. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> John. Shout out if you're listening, buddy. That one's for you. Get, get, get a little whistle pig and the whistle pigs. <laughs> Three of them. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't even do it. We we, we got to get him on the show. We got to hit. We got to get John and Mahoney on the show one day. Talk about the whistle pigs. I don't know if I'm prepared for that. <laughs> I don't think any of us are prepared for that. I don't think the listeners are prepared for that. I think it would be, uh, they call it a certain kind of show, but we, we uh, can't say that on the air, unfortunately. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, we, uh, Gray, you ever bass fish much? Yeah, I mean, actually, I grew up I grew up bass fishing, too. You see, you're, you're a technical type fisherman. That's why I ask. I mean, uh, we all kind of started somewhere with that. I started yeah. bass fishing. That's same. I mean, uh, I grew up in Jacksonville, and um, the bass fishing up there is actually pretty good. I'm trying to think where it all began for me, I would say that it really came down to um, we lived in a community in um, in like the Fleming Island area in Jacksonville, um, and it was on the St. Johns River. So we used to fish this area called Moccasin Slough, uh, which uh, the name is fitting because there's moccasins all over it. And uh, so, pretty much, I used much, to catch those things for fun when I was a kid. Well, I wasn't allowed to fish there. By, I wasn't allowed to fish there by myself because there was there was large alligators. I mean, I, I'm you know, if it's a four or five out five foot alligator, that doesn't scare me. But you know, when you start getting into the 10, 12 foot alligators, those can be a little intimidating. I don't know. I think I crystal a, box with one. I had a golden retriever, dude. I don't know. They're solid muscle, man. <laughs> um, but uh, I had a golden retriever, which would have been a really nice meal for an alligator. And, uh, you know, she was tenacious. So um, I used to go and fish the banks um, with my dad, but I wasn't allowed to go to some of the areas we fished just because the gators there were so aggressive. Um, and my dad was just kind of like, you're not allowed to go there by yourself. Um, but, uh, yeah, we actually caught a 12. The biggest bass we ever caught was 12 pounds. Uh, which is a pretty decent size. That's a stud bass. Yeah, it was a stud bass. Um, my biggest, my biggest bass is only like nine pounds. Well, I'd say uh, I'd say eight and some change, not even nine pounds. It ate it ate both our baits. Um, so like while my dad was fighting it, it came and ate my bait. Yeah, it was like that. that <laughs> it, was, it was like that, dude. We had yeah. a okay. So we had a 
Uh, we had a red we grouper, a, right? We no, we were, we had a we had that happen with a red grouper. Yeah, just a couple weeks we, ago. We were just out the other day, and uh, our buddy Andrew with the conch. Yeah, he he and Carly, his fiance, they were uh, they they were we were, we were chunking cut bait out, and there's a lot of blackfin tuna around, and just so happens the one tuna it was probably a thirty pound fish. We we kept it, we got it head in the box, um, but it ate both of the chunks of cut bait. It was hooked in the stomach with one circle hook. Oh, nice! Like and, foul hooked, you mean, right? Oh no! It, it was he swallowed that. Oh, he one. was gut hooked. Within yeah, the he stomach. was gut hooked, okay. and then Andrews was in the corner of the mouth. Wow! So Wait, my dad and I have hooked a big bull redfish, like your forty some odd inch redfish. We've had him eat two baits. We used to fish a lot of dead bait for him in uh, South Mississippi, and uh, we've had uh, we've had him come up and hit more than one. Like you'd hook hook it. Start fighting it, it would eat another rod, and then both of you guys are fighting one. We've got pictures with them with both hooks in their mouth. It's wild when a fish does that. That's awesome. But uh, well, they say that like in like sailfish tournaments and stuff like that, like you you have to figure out which line to cut because you can't fight them on both rods. That's really yeah. So like if you if you're on a if you're if you're doing a sailfish oh tournament, so, oh that that makes yeah, sense. You got to figure you got to figure out which one he's hooked better on and then cut that line. Because you're not allowed to fight them on two rods. That's true. Because if yeah. you if you get, you know, that's the thing with lie detector tests and everything. If you win, you know, you kind of have to be honest with it. Which I mean, let's face it, some fishermen, most fishermen, have an issue with honesty when it comes to their oh, size. You know, but it, it's it's it, gotten a little yeah. better now with uh, you know everybody's obviously cell phones. Well, there there was some guy cameras. there was there was some guy I can't remember his name. Uh, very very I, I think it it was it was one of our very good captains in the Tampa Bay area that uh, ended up losing uh, dis- by disqualification from a redfish tournament because he did the right thing and he honestly said, you know what, I think he had a beer or something in his in his live well that uh, they had forgot from pre-fishing or something, which is something that could happen to any of us, but he owned up to it, he was honest with it, he lost his place and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the guy was better off, you know, character wise for doing it but yeah i could if you're talking about i digress going back and cutting one line or the other line i mean how the hell do you make that up but right uh, well you make that decision that's a rough decision to make it is so that's if somebody point. touches one rod does it completely disqualify it or do you just have to reach out with the knife and cut it while it's running that's that's a good question but guys we're gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna go ahead and go to our next commercial break and we're going to be coming into the six o'clock hour. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. Uh, I think we're going to look into this during the break. You're listening to Tampa Bay fishing radio presented by Rivard Buick GMC. And now it's time for Tampa Bay fishing radio presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5. The bone. What's up, guys? You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. This is Captain Zach Sturm. We are here, and we are ready to talk some fishing, and God knows what else we're going to talk, but uh, we definitely think that you guys are in the same boat as us, no pun intended. We would like to cheer up this morning. It's a beautiful Saturday. Uh, we got my good friend Curtis Yandel in the studio. Good morning, Tampa. And we got uh, my good friend Gray Birchall in the studio also. Hello, everybody. And also, we got the legendary Chris Wilhelm. Good morning. So, back a little bit, one thing that we were talking about, uh, if you listen to our early segment, we went from talking about bass fishing to a double hookup on a blackfin tuna that we'll touch on a little bit with a little bit more detail. But uh, if you were to catch a fish 
How many of you at home, I wonder, have caught the same fish with two lines on your boat, hooking the fish in the mouth? Legal, not, you know, not a, you know, a, a gut hook or, an, or excuse me, not a foul hook or anything, but just an actual, you know, it, be sure to, if you're not a member already, join Tampa Offshore Fishing on Facebook. It's awesome. We get to talk about all this stuff off the air and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Be sure to join. We have some great giveaways. Give away an awesome set of Bubba Blade knife and pliers to uh, one of our wonderful members just this Friday. So uh, if you get a chance, be sure to join and invite all your friends because you're going to love it. But have we figured that out, Gray? Have, are you checking out on your phone? Let me look it up really quick because I have not checked. I have not. I have not checked it out. Hang on a second. Is it against ruling to reel them both in to catch the fish? Yeah, well, I think it more, is. No more than one person can touch the rod. I do know that. Yeah, sounds about right. You can touch the leader, right? Yeah. You're what? See, this is the biggest. Leader may can touch the leader because the leader has to be touched to constitute yeah. a legal release. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I know yes. IDFA rules state for a world record, nobody else can touch the rod. That's so correct. So billfish tournament, who would cut the line if it ate more than one bait? This is this is a very good question. I wish we would have thought about this other than right when we were doing our show. I would have had to, you know, the time to, you know, that that's actually that's that that's a that's a pretty good question. Um, we're gonna find the answer to this, guys, before the end of this show. I can promise you. But in the meantime, we're gonna sit here with the guys. We hope you're having a great Saturday morning. Um, this has been crazy lately. Um, as far as a lot of you guys are probably about pissed off you're at you know you're at home when you could be working i understand it sucks for you I, i'm thankful that we're doing the show still we're actually posted up from my living room doing the show right now so uh yeah um i love the fact that we can still fish um curtis uh your your dad is you know you're in the staffing industry you know with with our good buddy from not tonight fishing you know, tell us a little bit about some of the struggles that you guys are having there because you guys have skilled labor that, you know, we, we pretty much around this table, we have infrastructure, we have, you know, sales, we have automotive, we have, you know, media, we have everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, the staffing's definitely being a little interesting now, and I don't want to comment too much on it because I'm still learning. Yeah, of course. It's, it's definitely my, my side gig, if you will, but uh, we're... Uh, there's a lot of construction projects and stuff that are closing down and they're uh, it's impacting us in that manner. But there's also going to be a lot more opening up as people go to take advantage of the uh, light road, the light traffic on the roads and stuff like that. And uh, we're, you know, we're providing not, not run a drunk labor, but your skilled labor to a lot of companies, especially whenever they need large amounts of people. Right. And so that's, that's definitely been impacted now. And then uh, from, from my car sales, my day job side, um, it, we're seeing a lot of people that are purchasing, but it's a whole different approach because we are trying to minimize the contact. It, it's been amazing. People. You know, you guys have you guys have done a fantastic job with that, though. I mean, I, I was just in there the other day, and you know what Rivard is doing, you know, is just fantastic. You guys are, I mean, delivering vehicles to your clients that are purchasing these vehicles. Oh and, yeah, wiping off steering wheels, all the touch points, all that stuff, trying to make sure that everything's disinfected. Um, you know, no, of course, nobody where we are is. Is uh, has been diagnosed or has any symptoms mildly relating to what it is, but we're doing everything possible to make sure that we don't spread anything, that we minimize any impact that we have. So we're doing a lot of uh, 
doing a lot of stuff online and then delivering vehicles to people and doing all their paperwork over the computer as opposed to the normal standard car dealership approach. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, there's nothing better than getting a good deal that's available to everybody that walks in the door and at the same time, not having anybody in the building that has any, you know, coronavirus. Uh, That's I'd say that's a good solid way to start a car deal. Yeah, no, I mean, if you can do every, you can do everything online. And with used cars, it's a little bit more difficult. Maybe you want to come look at it. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, you can of always course. call, schedule an appointment to take a peek at it. We can park it out there and, and let you look over the vehicle. And then whenever you're done, we'll disinfect it, detail the vehicle. And whenever, if, if you decide that's what you want, we just send you the paperwork and it's it's easy peasy. Which is actually, you know, when it comes down to it with the with the financing rates that you all have right now and everything, it's really a perfect time to purchase a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle because you don't have the crowds, you don't have the hassle, and you almost get that one-on-one personalized experience that a lot of times you wouldn't find at other dealerships, oh, you know? You're, you're, and especially at our dealership, you're talking to one person. You're not talking to anybody else. It's yeah. Back and forth. It's a real easy, low-stress environment. You're doing it all online, so there's no pressure. Yeah, th- there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, the only thing that I'm trying to figure out is uh, we're looking uh, – we're hoping that our friends at Old Salt's Foundation are able to still have King of the Beach coming up here next month. Yeah, it's a little curious to see. Or, or, yeah, I mean, well, it's, shoot, it's a, a, it's it's coming up here in less than a month almost. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, as for me personally, as much as I love to fish, and I'll continue to fish offshore when I can until all this blows over, I do not think I'll be doing any major tournaments or any exposure to a lot of people for the next, you know, 29 well i really think that that's the prudent thing for all of us to do you know we have so much uh to gain by just kind of the only thing that sucks that i don't like is the fact that all of these people that are you know a lot of you that are listening you may have either been laid off or you had something like that happen to you and you know trust me like we said in the last hour we empathize with what's going on there we're just trying to cheer you up so you know don't don't make it don't make yourself think that you know we don't care because fishing is great it's something that we can all continue to do even during this with Ron DeSantis putting in that executive order in that's one of the things fishing is literally on it in words you're still allowed to go fishing and uh, we're very thankful that we have that opportunity because I tell you man I would be stir crazy if I couldn't go wet a line I mean I'd be insane yeah to- totally I mean it's one of those things uh Chris, you're on the uh, you're on the side of things from an industrial standpoint. You do a great job. Uh, Chris works with a company called MWI Pumps, which does a fantastic job providing pumps and all kinds of stuff to the industrial community. You guys are, I mean, there's not many, whether it's the airports or the infrastructure projects. MWI Pumps is usually around there, and you're the guy running that. So, I mean, tell tell it from your side between your fishing and. Uh, you know, everything else, what are you running into? Well, I think the economy on that side is going to stabilize uh, you know, from the executive order from DeSantis to pump another $2.5 billion into the industry. Uh, I think it's going to escalate and speed up a lot of projects that are already existing and uh, get some of those infrastructure projects that really need to get going uh, to support a lot of this mass development that we've had in a lot of these areas that uh, were once three or four single-family homes, which are now 16 three-story buildings with multifamily apartment units. So with that said, I mean, it has to go on. It's not going to stop, and uh, I think the economy and, and the workers in that field will continue.
continue to thrive. Yeah, I, you know that that's a good thing to hear because that infrastructure is definitely what you know keeps us going. I'm liking the fact that there's certain this construction that's been going on along, for example, Gandhi Boulevard. It sucks. It does, but there's going to be a tremendous ending to it, and uh, it's going to come in the form of lightened up traffic a little bit that uh, is going to break down some of the congestion on Gandhi for the locals. And I think there was a lot of mixed feelings about it, where a lot of business coming from Pinellas to Tampa was going to fly right over uh, the exposure for you know a lot of these these small businesses. But uh, it, in retrospect, I think a lot of these businesses are supported by a lot of the local people that will still be traveling down Gandhi instead of flying over the Crosstown Connector. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. But, you know, speaking of the Gandhi area, let's talk about launching. You know, a lot of times, you you know, you're going out. Uh, you've got a boat there that you keep uh, um, coming out of Hula Bay and, and fishing that area. I mean, what, what are you running into right now? Um, you know, there's there's definitely some precautions that are being taken. Uh, especially from the marina we go out of, you know, in, in order to get your boats out, there's a pre-call that's uh, required right now so they can sanitize your boats and make sure that the previous people that were on there aren't infecting the people that are getting on if there were any cases or risks of it. Um, there's more time that's being taken for sanitation processes when they come back and fueling and, and the whole bit. So just being patient that that option is still available, that you can get on the water and uh, know that there's increased processes that these guys are having to handle at the moment but uh status quo you know i, I think that the state of florida is gonna let everybody continue to fish as long as they can it's the only form of sanity that we have at this point that's for damn sure absolutely um fishing capital of the world would be florida i know some folks in louisiana are gonna say something but uh y'all may get big fish but we get that would lots be the of fish best fishing in the the best fishing in the world. That that was Curtis there. Uh, yes. So, yeah, Gray. What have you noticed uh, as far as going out? Because uh, tell tell the listeners a little bit about what you're doing right now, um, and you know how it's affected your fishing and your business. Yeah. So, um, as far as fishing goes, I've noticed that uh, everybody's on the water, right? So, uh, just a couple days ago, we were out offshore, and uh, some guys basically ran us over. We're 32 miles offshore and we're getting a boat within i don't know 60 feet of us or something like that yeah if what? it had been 50 or 45 or 40 or 30 you broke the law son but <laughs> but um but no but real deal um yeah because 50 feet uh distance between boats is the law now uh until this covid 19 thing is over with people are um, people at weedon island are going to be tripping out right now well, yeah, I mean, fifty yeah, feet. Oh 50 my God! Feet, yeah, I mean, I can't just hop on the next guy that's got the reds well, on. Yeah, because redfish might not bite within fifty feet, or they might. I, I like. They, I they like run this away. idea. But um, but but uh, yeah. So everybody's been on the water. Um, so that that's good. There's a lot of spots that I fish that I thought were uh, more private than they are. <laughs> <laughs> so so I've learned that. But also, they could just be marking where we are. Yeah, you, you know, you, that that's that's the truth though. You know, some people really have the ability. Uh well, I I'd, I'd say their inability is what caused them to do it, but we've been offshore uh like Grace said the last time we were out. We had some guys just run up right on us. And they clearly it, uh, it they knew where we that no one would run up to the boat if you have the number and then go off and anchor up a little bit forward, you know. 
they wouldn't run that close to you if they knew where they were going. Let's put it that way. And if we were, were on smart, the bar. We were they would on have anchored the behind fish. us. I mean, and, because and, that's where the chum is. Yeah, and, and it, <laughs> yeah. Just for those of you guys that go offshore, or I mean, I don't care if you're inshore and somebody's at the edges of the channel or something. Dude, if I'm don't run up in somebody's chum slick. If I'm not on a public number and you pass less than half a mile of me, I'm not happy. No, and we at night, and we at night, happy. yeah, and at night, you know, if we're offshore, we're we're pulling out, you know, some protection. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, you roll up on me offshore at night. That's a whole different ballgame. Exactly. Now, one time I, I was anchored. On my boat. One time I was anchored, <laughs> and a guy on a boat on autopilot uh, wasn't paying attention. We were like having to honk the horn on the boat because he was about to run into us, like Dude. on autopilot. We were we were 20, 25 miles offshore, something something like that. Um, so were you like trout fishing? Pretty much. Tr- trout trout like fishing. Twenty five miles. Offshore? I was trying to find a nice one to throw at you. Oh, no. Dang, childhood regressed memories. I know. I just had like some flashbacks. Jared Yandel, if you're listening, throw a trout at this kid. Somebody take this mic. I'm going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bathtub in that other room. Go get it. Yeah. 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 trout to the face. What is that poor fish? We can go get one right out of here, out of the bay right now. That's Um, true. Yeah, but you'll never hit me a solid. That, I hit the only hard part on that trout hit me in the face. I, don't, I didn't know that that was a hard fish. Nice. They are actually known to be soft. Um, but it, anyway, just anyway. just like you, boy, just like you. That was his yeah. justification. Yeah. Boy, I hit my soft son with the yeah. soft trout. That's fair. If I um, could, if I could have whipped his behind, I the guy, the, done it. the listeners yeah. at home right now are like, "What did we get into this?" Yeah, morning? exactly. This is a speckled trout, not a trouser trout. There's a difference. Whoa! We didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The, Oh man! Well, I, I don't, I don't know. Put on that note, guys. Let's go to our, <laughs> let's go to our first commercial break. We appreciate you starting the morning with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Now back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. We are back from break. Uh, want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the difference in bait that we're having in this Tampa Bay area. Uh, whether you're targeting snook or redfish or even chunking bait for tuna offshore, you know, bait selection is really important. And, uh, you know, Chris... You, you and I have been talking about this a little bit more. Um, let's tell the listeners, uh, you know, what, what's your theory on it? So we're, we're kind of in that pattern right now. Like I always stick to, you know, if, if, if we're below 70 degrees, I feel like these fish are looking for a big, easy meal. They're not looking to chase down anything. And kind of the same, you know, goes for the temperatures getting above 80 degrees. Um, Got to find the cool spots in the water where these big snook are laying. And uh, you can throw this chunk bait at them after it but uh kind of right now you're getting to that point to where your water temperature is just cresting into that you know 74 75 degree mode right and there is a lot of white bait that's moved inshore but it hasn't really thickened up in the north side of the bay just yet so what we noticed last time we went out in the last week or two was uh we had a variety of bait we had shrimp and some cut bait and uh, some, some some white bait but uh you know, it was a little thin, a little hard to find, so we kind of stuck to the what to the to the cut bait for the day, and we weren't real successful. So, even though it's not thick in the bay, you know, you're 
primary fish in the transition right now. The snook coming out of the rivers, and uh, they're looking for that big easy meal. But I think they're looking to chase something down. And uh, unfortunately, you're kind of in that tough spot to where you're going to run to go find some bait farther south, or throw deep at the towers, trolling around looking for the bait patterns on sonar. But uh, you know, I think the time for cut bait and that easy fishing day of breaking out a box of frozen bait is kind of over until it gets real hot again. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, we, you know, as a matter of fact, looking for bait, we we had a fun time the other day, didn't yeah, we? we? Did. I we, lost the net. We lost the net. That sucked. Funny story the other day, we were out, my buddy was cutting up cut bait, cut his cut bait up, looked at the cutting board, threw his knife right in the water. <laughs> Are you kidding <laughs> Was that Bowers? <laughs> that was my buddy Chad. Oh man, I figured it was Bowers. Bowers, if you're <laughs> listening, sorry, buddy. I, we we uh, you know, that's the thing too. We had so much great bait when Gray and I headed offshore the other day. The yep. markers were lit up. I mean, there was tons. We were sabiking pinfish, pilchards. Yeah, and even in the further markers, we were hitting Spanish sardines like it was nothing. Well, so yeah, the, the the bait is on the markers right now. But uh, last time we went, uh, I think the wind had changed and it was kind of stirring the water up, where uh, the bait was skittish and wouldn't really commit to eating a sabiki. Um, it wasn't on the pier like it had been. Um, so we had been out. Gosh, I think I went out on Sunday and then Thursday. It was just a couple days before. Yeah, or Friday. And Sunday, the bait was thick there, and then uh, Friday, it was gone. We're talking um, about Potter's Pier, Port yep. DeSoto, yep. Uh, North Pier, if you guys are wondering what we're talking about. Yeah. Loaded up with boats, stacked, it, you know. But we also, um, we didn't we didn't dedicate, uh, we didn't dedicate a lot of time to there. We threw a, we threw a cast net maybe two times. Two um, all it takes. And then uh, the first time was empty. The second time, we caught it on a... Uh, looked like a bridge piling or something that was on the bottom, and it was uh, tough. We lost we had, the net. We had to go down there and we had to grab our net up and everything. And it, dude, we got back in too, and there were a bunch of people like complaining on social media, like we just left the thing down there. It was well, like, I you know, lead lines are gold, folks. I don't yes. know if you know this, but uh, that and also, um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder what they're up to. You know, like if you're watching facebook live while we're making facebook live you know sometimes maybe you might be a little jealous because you got a lot of stuff you're talking you know <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. sorry you sorry know, you're that, not out fishing um, you know that, that could we be do it. get a lot of bait we know what we're doing i know when i i know when i see all you guys fishing and i'm not fishing i'm like man there's guys fishing i, I still get jealous <laughs> yeah exactly well i would too and if, if i saw you go facebook live and say you were going fishing somewhere like i don't know like maybe if you went somewhere at, like and caught Stuff that like we never catch and stuff like that. That makes me mad. <laughs> but yeah, but at the same time, you could uh, you know on Facebook you can be like you come in with like six blackfin tuna from offshore like twenty five miles. You're like, man, that was pretty pretty sweet for twenty five right. miles offshore. And they're like, whatever, man. Me and my buddy Felipe, we caught like seven blackfin tunas, <laughs> yeah, and they were yeah. forty pounds a piece. Yeah. And they 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 served us. Uh, as 280 like pudding pounds or something. I, I don't 280 know. I mean, pounds of blackfin tunas. Or, or, or you get the hater that's just <laughs> mad because he's not catching any fish and he's like, I can't believe they harvested all that fish. Yeah. Yeah. So I, then honestly, they start throwing the G word around, right? Start calling you a Guggen. Honestly, stuff like that. anybody that says that, I just, I face palm. Yeah. That, well, that's the one thing, though. I've noticed Tampa Bay, the fishing community, 
could almost be. You guys remember that Dave Chappelle skit, The Player Haters Ball? Yeah. That's, I hope the bad things in life happen to you and only you. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, but yeah. uh, but realistically, guys, we uh, we hope the best for each and every one of you. But man, the bait has been you know kind of on off. But what what I've heard is uh, you know from what I've experienced is those flats are doing pretty well on bait. You got to do a little bit of work chumming it up, but we're just getting to that time of year, you know. Yeah, I mean when they when they heat up a little bit more, they'll they'll thicken up in here. This is just going to be the last part of the bay that really sees that bait influx because we're so far north. But uh, we're going to be in that sweet spot before you know it because yeah. it, it you know it gets to the point where it's too hot and you're, and you're sitting there looking at a stagnant bay that's just you know full of white bait. You could throw a net and catch enough to last you six weeks, but all the fish seem like tired of it essentially because they've already you know they've got the schools everywhere. They just pretty much went through, zip, got their fill, and oh, you, oh, you got a couple little three-inch pilchards. Oh, good for you! It's like you know what that trout already ate. That's my favorite time of the year. Yep. I mean, that that really pinpoints those fish and traps them. And I know exactly where they go whenever it gets really hot. You mm-hmm. know, and, and it's no real secret. I mean, if you're a local guy, you understand that those fish are just like people. Whenever it gets hot, they want to find some shade, cool it on down. And, uh, you know, if you've got the patience for it, you wait for that super cool break when they're under there if it's an easy meal it's a it's an easy catch that's fact that's fact especially with your snook uh, you know if you're going out if you just want to take your kids out or your your girlfriend or wife and you want to get a good action catch i would definitely recommend you know going throwing up under the mangroves with a pilchard you know with just your regular seven foot medium heavy rod and you know a 3000 series reel spooled with you know 10 to 20 pound braid and ah, 20 30 pound leader you're gonna have no problem getting a snook to bite and the acrobatics of those juvenile snook are just you know so fun and you know for for those of you that are listening that aren't from the area too um you know that's a good way if you're going out on a boat with a friend or you know something of the sort that's a good way to you know to most of you guys listening, since this is a fishing show, you're thinking, you know, dude, I, I knew this since I was like six years old. But, you know, the nice thing about fishing is we have all these new people getting into it and they're going to do it whether they like it or not. So we just try to give you the best good information we can. And, you know, yeah, it's I, fun to share it. I mean, yeah, you know, you, most of you guys out there have probably heard some of the things I've talked about a thousand times and. You know, most of them are things that I learned and I was blown away. And some of the things I learned, I'm still blown away. And it's fun to share it with other people. And exactly. And I was grateful whenever people shared it with me. And uh, there's things that were shared with me for, from, from different folks that uh, really made me feel good about, you know, going out and going fishing. Maybe Like the story of the whistle pig. Yeah, right. The story of the whistle pig. What's that sound like? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, you got got, got got to ask my buddy Mike Mahoney about that one, and uh, our our buddy JB. They'll they'll tell you that. There's only three. There's only three. There's only three. <laughs> as as there shall be. But uh, yeah, I mean, bait has been you know a good situation. We've we've been uh, the live shrimp has been great for offshore. We've been getting. I mean, honestly, it doesn't. It's not that cost prohibitive to go out and if you got guys like Gandy Bait and Tackle that are selling good shrimp. Now I understand that when you get into the hand picks and this and that, it can get super expensive. 
because I mean, you know, six dollars a dozen for shrimp or th- there's no way I want to do that. But you know, we go to Bill at Gandy Bait, and he always hooks it up. We those select shrimp sometimes they're like lobsters. You know, they're going to be. You know, w- what would Bill say if you looked at him and said, "How big are your shrimp?" It's like, well, it's what I got. You know, <laughs> big enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they ain't out there eating these shrimp, then they ain't eating. <laughs> exactly. Hey guys, I, I said to him, uh, I said, well, they say elephants eat peanuts. He goes, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we have a, a fantastic time getting those shrimp loaded up in the live well. And you can put 20, 40 dozen of them, no problem. And when we run offshore, whether it's mangoes, hogfish, porgies, you know, just, just the mix that goes into that. They're going to all hit those shrimp. And even sometimes when they're not hitting sardines and other stuff like that, man, I tell you, they are definitely going to hit, you know, they're, they're going to hit those shrimp and it's going to be no problem. But sure. yeah, I, I mean, if you, if my, my whole point with this rant guys is buy as many damn shrimp as you can before you spend $400 in gas running offshore, a hundred dollars in gas or whatever it is you're doing. Um, and you're going to make, make out for a better day. But, uh, but yeah, I, um, as far as the, the net and chumming bait up and stuff, what's your usual thing that you would do, Chris, if you're, if you're telling one of the listeners that, uh, hasn't been catching bait for a while in Tampa Bay area, what do you look for? And, uh, what do you, what do you do? I mean, exactly. So, you know, the easiest way is whenever that water temperature gets that magic temperature between 70 and 80 degrees, that bait's going to start to stack up in the flats. And some of the best places to look are, some of your transitions from sand bottom to, to grass and, uh, you know, having some depth to your water somewhere near there that allows them to duck out whenever predators and things come are always a good thing to look for. Potholes in the flats. Um, good way to do it is just to cruise, look for the birds. If you can't find any birds, a good alternative is maybe to stand up on your seat if you don't have a tower, get a good vantage point, and start to look for, the, you know, the, the pops and different uh, variations in the top of the water where baits are and chum them up with a with a good uh you know oily you know fish chum mixed with menhaden oil and uh, get a good chum slick going and wait till the big ones come in and load yourself out you know one thing that i found i'm not sure if they had anymore but uh, mahoney's used to sell this other oil it was like a blend of it was a blend of a couple fish oils man did that stuff work well it, it didn't cost as much your, your straight menhaden oil that that stuff's expensive. It's not cheap at all, and you know, especially when we're we're out fishing for tuna or whatever, you know, we'll just pretty much poke a hole in it and let it seep out to get that chum slick going. That 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 sheen, that line of oil on top of the water that that'll attract those pelagic fish. But and I'll tell you another crazy thing that yeah. that an old salty up from the Anklo area taught me. It's a guy I work with, and give a shout out to old Richie Green and his brother. Oh, Randall Richie Green. Green. Randall Green, uh, Richie yeah, Green. They're, they're both clients of mine that we do work, work with at home, and they're also longtime captains up in the Anklo area, fish out of the state park up there. But uh, he told me one day that, uh, believe it or not, whenever you're creating that chum slick, that that oil will actually break the glare in the top of the water so you can see the bait wet better. Really? So knocks down some of the ripple, and, uh, and sure enough, I did it one day, and it, it improved the just by the oil, yeah, dude. That's 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 pretty awesome. So, um, we were talking white bait and all that kind of stuff. I got a question for you. When it comes to 
when it comes to white bait right now, as far as like what size snook, what size redfish are you seeing eat those white bait, and what size white baits are you seeing? So you know the size of the fish that you anticipate catching is always going to be the size of the bait that you're using. If you're if you're going after a big, you know, 32, 36 inch redfish, well, I know or, you can eliminate you know, obviously smaller fish with a bigger bait for sure. But you know, I don't think it really out some of the smaller fish either but i think potentially you have a lot better opportunity to catch a larger snook or redfish into that mid-30s range or maybe even early 40s with a palm size greenback where i really don't feel like you have a chance if you know you've got some some fry bait i have to agree with that you know you're gonna catch a lot of those juvenile snook on big baits too i mean i've caught a a 16 18 inch snook on a six inch pizza cut bait before right i was hungry yeah. You know, especially these in the... In the I'm day. hungry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've already tearing some of this tuna in the fridge. Yeah. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, no no kidding. There's, yeah, there's a lot of juvenile snook in, in the bay right now, and, you know, those fish eat to grow and grow to eat, and, and that's their main goal every day. They want to eat as much as they can, find the biggest meals. So right. some of those juvenile snook in the bay right now in the early spring that are coming out of the rivers, they are super aggressive, and they're really easy to catch. makes for a great day. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, with that, guys, we're going to go to our next break. We'll be right back with you in a second. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Now, back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Hey, what's up, guys? We're back. This is Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Um, Coming back from the break, we talked about a little bit about catching bait. Um, usually, we like to use our wholesale cast net for that. Um, if you haven't had a chance, check them out. Wholesale cast nets on Facebook and wholesalecastnets.com. Definitely have to give our buddies a shout out. It's owned by Brad Morgan, a local family man with a small business in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, we definitely know that all of you all that have these small businesses right now are feeling it just like we are. We're thankful that we're still on the air. But, uh, you know, there some cool products that we've been looking at lately uh you guys weren't listening to the beginning of the first show but chris was wearing gloves because he he's afraid to touch shrimp no shame no shame no shame but you still catch more fish oh son oh son (laughs) (laughs) back it on down but no glove red towel no red towel But he's, he's trying. He's literally trying. He's got the bubble glove on right now. But no, these uh, you know, it, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. We uh, looks like a nice glove actually. You look like Freddie Mercury. He's got he's got the bubble glove on, holding the microphone. Are you First supposed to last? You were supposed to <laughs> Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, th- this is another time. I, I wish that we could have uh, you know, some callers call in. Um, unfortunately, due to us. You know, doing these recordings and stuff from a mobile location, we 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 can't uh, we can't do that. But it it would be fun. You guys have a lot of gear that you use. I wanted to go around and talk to the guys and talk about you know like no ads, no nothing. What is your favorite gear that you own fishing wise? Let's really think about this. Because not 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 necessarily an essential piece, like you know, a rod or a reel, so to speak. I'm talking about that one piece of gear that when you purchased it, and it doesn't count if you got something for free. Okay, so 
no free ads. Yeah, no free. No, well, actually, technically, it'll be free ads. It, this it, is going to be a free. Well, ad. We we got a lot, we got a lot of great sponsors, but if they're not, I want to hear this from you guys because you know, just like the fight, that that Fenwick's good. 25, 20 pound spider wire, white, so I can see it. That's it. That's a solid setup. That's my setup. But that so that's your favorite thing that you bought favorite. is that setup. It, you know, it's for the price point. I mean, yeah, there's some better stuff out there. There's some sealed cases that, you know, they're protected from saltwater corrosion and all this jazz, but... Well, the Daiwa BG is great. My, my biggest my biggest thing with the Daiwa BGs is I own several of them. I, I've never been given anything by Daiwa, so it, it's, not, it's not an ad or anything. Um, you know, we try to be as objective as we can. Same reason, you know, why I went with the companies that I have is because they're tried and true. They're good, you know. But Daiwa, I'll tell you this much: for ninety-nine bucks, you can't beat that. You, you you can't beat it. But the biggest problem that I have is the warranty issues, and the fact that my twenty-five hundred, my three thousand, my thirty-five hundred, my four thousand, every single one of them broke the handle. I well, not the handle. In one way or another, I've broken about four. Of the, well, and, and here's the thing that's funny with that actually is the fact that. I I real like someone who would surf goofy footed. Most of you guys, when you reel with the spinning reel, oh, you hold it backwards. with your yeah, right hand. Wrong hand. You reel with your wrong. I reel with my right hand, just like I would a conventional reel, because I started fishing bass fishing, and I'm used to using a bait caster, and I'm used to reeling with my right hand. So I just said, you know, why the hell do I need to switch over from spinning gear? Or, or excuse me, why do I need to switch to spinning gear and keep doing that? And I was just like, you know what the hell with that? I'm not going to do it. And it, that stubbornness, I suppose, is the reason why I reel the way I do. But anyway, most that doesn't matter. I digress. Most of these reels we have today are reversible. So you're able to take that handle, unscrew it, take the cap off the other right. side, and screw it in so it's for left and right hand. And it fully prevents anyone else from using any of your fishing stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, yes, it does. 100, 100%. I'll tell a story about that after you finish your point. Oh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to this. Lauren wishes she could speak over from the side of the studio. Well, why don't you just come on, come on, on the mic. down from the audience. Come on down from the audience. Yes, ma'am. Got a seat for you. Oh, because... I actually reel the right way, but <laughs> you reel the wrong way. Yeah, and then talk into the microphone. Oh, I am. <laughs> and so you, so you reel the right way. He reels the wrong way. Yeah. And so, and so when you pick up a rod that he set up for himself, it's it's terrible. Is, I just yes, it's terrible. <laughs> it is. I've been there. I yes. just have to like. I fish with it. Zach a lot, and I know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, there's that. I guess I guess Zach is the worst <laughs> yes. at uh, having the. But no, my point is the fact that I I use a different side of the reel, and the Daiwa BG reels are certainly, you know, I I've broken off a lot of them when it comes to that bolt or whatever you may call it that holds it into the reel seat. You know, they break off under you know a, a load of, of sorts I, I i don't know but it just happens hey, bro, when you're catching trucks that's not regular use and abuse but no the, there's a silver lining to this though i i will have to definitely give Daiwa a very good nod on the fact that the four thousand and down 
I've had something go wrong with every one of them. However, the 4500 and up with that new BG, they have been some of the most capable, flawless, incredible reels that I've had the opportunity of using. And I love pen reels. I love Daiwa reels. I love Shimano reels. I own all of them on top of some of the other custom brands that we use. But those bigger handles when it comes to cranking, and we're talking, you know, offshore fishing with spinning gear, you know, you certainly, you run into, it. you're not going to have the same drag and stuff as you will with a conventional reel. And that's why you're not going to see many people catching yellowfin tuna and such with a spinning reel. But I'll tell you, those Daiwa reels, of the 4,500 plus in the BG series have been bucks. Fant- I've caught a Wahoo. I caught a 65 pound Wahoo on a 4,500 Daiwa BG. They definitely work. They work well. And so I, I'll hats off to Daiwa on that. But the smaller ones, don't like them. Don't, don't like them. What if you I, got, Gray? What's uh, yours? So, oh, you got a Zach Real story. We got uh, yeah, and it's topic. actually related to what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Zach's weird. So, weird um, really. it, when, it, when it comes to rod and reel combo, um, I like to keep stuff ready and free so it's easy to get something to bait out there, uh, especially if you know you got your opportunity out there offshore and you see something happening or whatever and you want to get a bait into that situation. So I run a, um, I like, I have Shimano Bait Runner 8000Ds. I have a couple of them. There's some D's on yep, that. Yep. And uh, <laughs> there's some D's on that. And then uh, I've got, uh, those are on Pin Carnage 2 rods. Um, they are good. And um, the there's thing some about. some D's on that Carol. And so they are really smooth drag, really nice, uh, easy to use, low maintenance. I've never done anything to them other than just use them. Right, them spray them off, and that's no, it. No gear grinding. No, 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 no up, absolutely no not. Up. Yeah, just Salt completely. Yeah, just completely. Like the same day I bought them, they feel like that now, and they're two or three years old now. And all I've ever done to them is just spray them with water. I'll tell you a funny story. So, when it comes down to functionality of equipment, from a seventeen dollar spinning reel to a two hundred dollar, you know. Mac Daddy, for a couple of days, they're all going to work kind of the same. However, right. literally for a couple of days. You have yeah. a $17 One reel, offshore trip might make the difference. You think maybe something went wrong with it back in my day when I was a little bit less experienced and maybe you thought stripped out. You take it up to see you know the guys at Gandy Bait and Tackle and they ask you, did you put backer on that? And uh, my young age, I said, uh, backer. God. What's that? I know what you're about how'd, to say. How'd you put this on there? Well, I just you know tied the braid around a couple loop knots, cinched it down. No, you did. Here we go. <laughs> well, you know what? The uh, nice thing is, though, you know, yeah, that is so goes. painful for you. You know, to... there's nothing wrong with this reel, right? I was like, what do you mean? It's just the drag Yeah, yeah, goes, just the, no. the braid is just spinning circles around the reel. Your entire braid That's what's is happening. spinning yes. reel. Yeah. I know. I've seen ah, it. I've seen it. I've never done that myself. All you need is a redneck dream. I threw three reels. A little bit of duct that. tape, yes. and everything's going to be all right. Oh, my God, dude. I thought I was buying reels that were just too cheap that didn't work. I, I prefer yeah. electrical tape. <laughs> yeah. You know, but is a that- lot. The nice thing is, is we had the opportunity on Tampa Offshore Fishing. Right. To uh, give a, Tampa Offshore Fishing on Facebook. If you guys don't know, join it. You will thank me for it. But 
you have uh, the Pen Clash 2. We had an awesome opportunity to give away to two of our fantastic members. Um, it's a reel that was not out, and due to, unfortunately, everything that's been going on with COVID-19, I don't think there's too many in the wild. But uh, we had Les Weiss and uh, another another gentleman that uh, ha- had one, too. I, I, I feel so bad. I, I Well, you know Les. You, you, it actually and, turns out you, and, know, and, you knew Les and, from and a previous... And I knew Les, which was the, the coolest part, yeah. because Les was actually in a bad accident. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, you know... You know, he, he had, you know, it, that that's another story for another time, but uh, he's been recovering well. He was super happy to, you know, have that. I can't wait to, you know, I can't wait to see some of the fish, but uh, we also have Tom Powell that uh, is our other winner. And that's who it was. Tom yes. Powell has already posted, you know, two or three pictures of fish that he's caught with this whole thing, which is super cool. But anyway, my, my point with this is the pen clash and a lot of these newer reels, they have that, uh, that I guess it's a raised rubber material right. on the center of the spool to prevent slippage Yes, from using So you can spool lines, all braids, you don't have to do a backer. I call that uh, idiot proof. Idiot proof. Well, I yes. mean, let's face it, we're fishermen. We're not the smartest. We just kind of get incrementally smarter every day. And then sometimes we go backward, but hey, we... You know, we have the best intentions. So (laughs) when we go back to talking about the setup that I was working with, which is a Shimano Bait Runner 8000, um, Zach and I had a tuna on one time. It was a blackfin. It was a pretty nice blackfin. It was probably about 30 pounds, maybe 35. And Zach is fighting it. And it's, for him, on the wrong side. I fought it like a boss, though. You did good. But I just remember watching you, and you had this, you had this, you had this uncomfortable look. I probably looked like a monkey with a coconut. Yeah, you did. You, you had this uncomfortable look where you're trying to get it worked out. And, <laughs> and, uh, and there, I, hey, see, I we can accommodate it, things for radio. Taking it from you <laughs> because I could tell that you were, you know, you were used to reeling on the other side. And <laughs> it was just funny to me. But it was actually on one of those. It was on we should have we should have filmed it and, and and reamed me out on it. That would have been funny. But we got it in, luckily. <laughs> um, but it was definitely awkward for Zach because he was going through what I go through when I pick up one of his reels. So you know that's that's uh, almost it's a little bit uh, car- karma, you know. And then also, of course, it was uh, it was definitely funny. But those rod and reel combos are very good for a flat line bait. They're not good for snapper fishing. Uh, they're not good for that kind of stuff. They don't have the they don't you know the rod tips are a little too soft. Um, Wait, which 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 ones are we talking about? You talking just about the lost Carnage twos with the Shimano bait. Rod oh, right gotcha. They're, they're, just, oh, they're the, not really good for snapper fishing. They're more of that's a, a fantastic rod. Rod though, excuse me. It is, but it's more of like a bigger fish rod. It's it's more of a it's, jigging rod almost. Well, they make a jigging version of that rod, and it's actually a really good rod for jigging. I had one of my buddies, Felipe, drop that rod in I a thousand feet of water. Felipe exists. He does. Never I swear him. to God, we'll go fishing with him. But uh, he dropped that rod in about a thousand feet of water off of uh, Palm Beach. I'm getting that back. No, <laughs> it's gone. Um, so pancake. Yeah. Well, nobody's going there. out to get that right now. And it had a Shimano Bait Runner 8000D on it also, 
What's weird about the Shimano versus like, let's say a pin reel is, uh, the Shimano 8,000 is like the size of a pin 5,000. Yeah. It, I don't get that. Same Why? thing with the Daiwas. The Daiwas, you, you've got a, a 5,000 Daiwa that's the size of an 8,000 reel and other the capacity. Shimano or just, whatever. I mean, it's... I've got a pin Spin Fisher 5 or V or I don't know what it is. V, 5. I guess it's 5 because there's a 6 now. Um, and that's how did I Did they do it Roman numeral or did they actually do it? I think it's Roman numer- numerals. Hmm. Yeah. Like because, because there's a 6 now, uh, which I'm actually kind of interested in, but I have an 8,500 in that. And that thing holds 600. 8,500. That's like a winch. Dude, well, I have Shimano Bait Runner 8,000s, and they hold 400 yards of line, maybe 350 of 50-pound uh, braid. I normally put 50-pound braid on them, right? Um, the Spinfisher holds 670 yards. Really? Yes. Well, guys, on that braid. note, we're going to uh, be right back, and I'm really liking this whole conversation. Let's talk some more gear. We'll be right back with Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. And now it's time for Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Uh, when we left you at the break, we were talking a little bit about gear. Uh, Gray, let's uh, kind of switch it up a little bit. And we talked about the reels that we like and everything. Um, yeah. Let's talk about rods because, you know, rod selection can be, uh, you know, a pretty important thing when it comes to being inshore, offshore, wherever. For sure. And I don't think a lot of people take into account the importance of having, you know, a certain type of rod. Because um, most, just so that you all know, a lot of these fish that you see us catch, for example, the hogfish and the uh, the mangrove snapper and stuff like that, even you know the nine ten pounders, we're rarely using anything more than a medium heavy fast action rod um, because it really, you know, when you're looking at snook tackle and big redfish tackle, I found personally it's the most responsive, especially during this light tackle uh, type fishing that we do. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, um, I don't like to use a rod that's, uh, you know, too heavy or not going to give me the feedback I need, especially snapper fishing. Um, you know, most people like myself included, uh, I like to feed that line out to the snapper, um, and wait, you know, for the twitches and the stuff that you're going to feel. But, uh, you also want to have a little bit of feedback in your rod tip and a little bit of feedback, uh, coming from, uh, even in your handle some, uh, so before of course you can't just you know you you can't just yank on snapper and stuff like that um because you'll be taking the bait away from them they they don't commit so you know no you're absolutely right there i mean a lot of times with those mangoes and uh you know especially when you're uh you know when we're in the keys when we're right of yellow tailing well yeah i mean not necessarily even when we're just in the keys but when we're doing uh that type of fishing with a jig head and stuff like that right you know you know if you just watch that line pay out when you have that fish it's just going to start zipping out it's almost like when we dead stick for redfish or snook on a flat true and with those mangs the way that they hit it i mean you know you're gonna know exactly what happens and a lot of times you may pull it out of their mouth if you you know for sure set it set the hook prematurely so well and i would say that uh one of the most tedious bites is a mangrove snapper um, they're smart fish they they're, are smart they're, they're damn smart fish and 
you know, it's it's weird, but if you're doing it if you're doing it wrong, uh, you can catch lanes all day. And then, um, you know, if you kind of learn to feed the line out and do some stuff um, a little more uh, technically and, and everything, uh, you start agree. catching mangroves. I mean, it's just it's just a it's just a different feel. Um, you know, they're both good to eat, but I would say that uh, lanes are maybe it, from what I've seen. I don't. I'm not a biologist or anything like that, but I would say that lanes are just easier to catch and maybe even have a little bit uh, more of an aggressive uh, bite to them. I agree. Uh, so, uh, where, uh, what I always learned about, um, you know, rods also is I try to make sure that whatever rod I'm going to be using is, is going to be something that I can get around. I don't like using rods over seven feet. I, I, I agree. Um, I have a seven, six, uh, Shimano Terramar and it's a great rod, except for the fact that it's six inches too long. Yeah, it drives me crazy. Well, I it's prefer I prefer like a seven two or a seven six rod when I'm fishing inshore. Sometimes yeah. some applications, offshore I rarely have anything longer than a seven foot. Uh, yeah. Well, with the with the unique exception, if we were doing just old school grouper digging, where we got an eight foot heavy power rod. Yeah. that you know we're gonna hook up to lock down drag. Conventional I don't think I've ever even use anything. Like yeah, that I don't before. even prefer. I mean, we yeah. catch the fish without that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly don't think it's necessary at all. And I think that that used to be the old way of fishing. And as the gear has continued to improve, I'd say that the methods have definitely um, adjusted as well to reflect that. Because, you know, a lot of times you got to think about it back in the, the back in the big water days, so to speak. You had guys using these huge setups. Could you catch, imagine all that mono? Oh, my gosh. I mean, if you had the... 40 or 50 pound mono i mean you, you'd have to have such a large reel to you know even and, though you're grouper fishing you don't need a ton of line but still it's true um you know you need the you need the yeah the well, stopping power of a larger reel and you also need the stopping power of the to grouper fish of a heavier line yeah and god i mean you just needed such a big reel to spool any kind i mean what are you going to spool 100 yards i mean of you know on these Exactly. Uh, like the Shimano Baitrunner 8000s that I use, if you were to spool 50-pound mono on them, that's about all you could put. Yeah. So um, It wouldn't get you very far, no, that's and for I sure. I use 50-pound braid, and they hold 350, 400 yards. Yeah. We, so, we, we use uh, you know plenty of those, whether we're catching cobia, sailfish, blackfin, tuna. I mean, uh, personally, guys, I've even caught uh, a very impressive wahoo right. off of a BG 4500, which... The difference between the 4000 and the 4500, if you're not familiar with those Daiwa BG, the new BG reels, is the, they one, they hold a lot. They hold a lot of other, um, uh, let's put it this way, the other type of line like we're talking about, braided line, yep. you can hold a ton of line and uh it's just very deep they're almost like a size or two bigger in my opinion you know yeah. like your your 4500 is almost like a 6500 with uh, the amount of line that it'll hold but anyway i digress uh with the with the wahoo and stuff like that you know the drag on those things is phenomenal but one thing that i found you know like we talked about earlier is how the fact that i reel with my left hand and hold the rod with my right hand on a yeah, spinning setup, which wrong. is kind of odd for some, but I know some of you do it at home too, so you're on Team Zach when it comes to that. But um, 
It one, doesn't bother me until I pick up one of your rods. <laughs> I mean, <it's> <laughs> then you might lose a fish. Oh my god! Well, yeah. well, what I'm saying though is you have uh, you have the rod itself or the reel. Excuse me, the handle is much more robust. It's a whole size different from the four thousand to the forty five hundred on the BG, and that's a big deal when you're looking at it. And I say that because I've owned probably every single Daiwa BG that I've owned below a forty five hundred has failed miserably at one point. And granted, I do a lot more fishing than the average bear. However, when these companies are building this gear, I know that they, you know, in in their heart of hearts are building this stuff to be as robust as possible. Right. To, to put up, to, they use somebody like a fishing guide as what they would want their gear to hold up under. They want constant scrutiny, drag always peeling off. I mean, it, they want to make the best product. I don't think any of these companies try to make garbage. Um, well, there may be one or two companies, but I, I'm not going to name them. Well, <laughs> so, let me ask you this. How much How much is a BG? I think they're around the 100 to $120 price point. That's not bad at all. I mean, but how long are they lasting? Uh, my my 4500 plus, which would be my 4500s, my 5000s, and I believe I have a 6000 or two. Right. Um, those reels have lasted me probably, you know, Gray, I think maybe two or three years of heavy okay. use. So heavy I'm, use. I, and I, you know, for this, I like the versatility. I, I really like Shimano bait runners and I know I've said that before. Those are fantastic reels. But they're, they're about 160 to 180 bucks each, mm-hmm. um, which isn't crazy, you know, but the thing about them, um, to my understanding, at least I believe they're sealed, um, and the other thing about them is they don't feel any different than they did the first day I had them. So I guess, you know, and we've talked, we, you know, earlier we were talking about them and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I guess when you get into, you know, adding 50 or 60 bucks per reel to your costs, um, I don't know. It's, it's a matter of preference. Uh, but I know that I can treat them poorly and they hold up. They still last and, uh, sure. all that kind of stuff. Um, are, is the BG easy to take apart? Uh, you know what? Or service? I've never tried to service it myself. Uh, okay. You know, when I talk about I'm using these reels well, I know there's a lot of you out there that are um, the type that will take your reels apart and they will grease them and such like that. Yeah. The only reel I really do that with would be like the Penn Senators because those are just a super easy, you know, no frills reel. Mm-hmm. that you can throw in, glob some grease on, and you're good to go. Right. With the spinning reels and such, however, with the gears mostly being in that in that handle base, I just don't really mess with it. You know, I'm sure you could have a local shop that, you know, can grease your reel and take care of it. And there's a lot of folks that do that. And if you know of any good ones, be sure to join Tampa Offshore Fishing on Facebook and uh, give us a post on there and, you know, let us know some good uh, places to get a reel service because I'm sure that, you know, not only myself, but, uh, you know, the other 15,000 or so members on there in the Tampa Bay area would love to hear that. And if you're a, yeah, you know, in, sure. if you're an independent guy that works with reels, we'd love to hear from you on there because I think it could certainly be a you know, benefit to the members to know who's out there, um, especially in these, you know, tough times, you know, if you can make, uh, if you can use our platform to advertise your, you know, personal, you know, one man business where you're fixing reels to make a few bucks, you know, we're happy to help you. You know, we're, we're looking out for the average angler. Yeah. 
So, but no, I, I uh, you know, long answer to a short question. I don't really screw around with uh, fixing or, you know, doing anything to my reels as far as maintenance. It just kind of use them until they blow up. And <laughs> yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, and I'm the kind of the same way. I've got a, uh, a Spin Fisher uh, 5 and we, you know, we brought it up earlier and it is on the way out. Um, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's a live liner version, and the live liner barely works. Uh, the handle on, or the, I need, I need to take, try and take off the. Um, it has an adjustment for it for like a secondary drag for that live liner, and um, I can't, I can't get, I can't turn it anymore. Sure. So right now, uh, it only works in like its least lowest drag setting. Um, those, those a lot of people don't like those, but I do. Um, I think they're really good for um i mean for dolphin fishing really i mean if you're going to have uh flat baits out or something like that and you're going to be on the east coast or you're going to be targeting the, a dolphin or something that's going to come up and eat um the only thing i'll say is you just don't want to you, you want to make sure you don't have the drag that it goes to when you start reeling too tight because you will rip you'll rip the bait or the hook out of whatever fish's mouth especially kingfish so with the soft mouth like that, um, you'll rip it right out of their mouth. You know, if they're running yeah. and you, you click over the drag to heavy drag, you'll just, you, you won't, you're not going to be doing anything except putting all the pressure on the line. So, uh, well, I think a lot of times people are fighting fish way harder than they have to. And, you know, a I lot of people fight the, I've watched people fight the rod a lot. Yep. 100%. And when you, you know, a lot of times you're going to pull the, you know, you're going to pull the hook out of that fish's mouth before you get a chance to get it up uh and unless you have this you know dead on hook set that's perfect you're never going to get it which is another reason why we like to use circle hooks um i i noticed there was a post uh on tampa offshore fishing uh that i had looked at the, today and I, I saw that there was a few, a few folks that were giving a guy a hard time because i he caught a fish and it looked like he was using a j hook if you actually inspect this picture You'll see that the guy's using like a, an octopus type circle hook. Um, it's on a pre-made rig, like the ones that you buy at Seven yeah. Eleven or so. So, I mean, once again, it's the internet. People didn't know what the hell they were talking about. But, uh, you know, hopefully that guy didn't get discouraged. But, yeah, circle hooks are definitely good because, man, we've caught some crazy fish lately. You know, where they've been right buttoned in the corner of the mouth. Uh, and they have been, you know, caught when otherwise... They they wouldn't have been caught. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it well, sounds I mean, stupid, I, I, but yeah, I, I mean, guess I grew up. I grew up fishing circle hooks. I know that a lot of people fish jays and are stuck on jays, but um, you're not supposed to if you're fat, if you're catching reef fish. But um, but if you're using jays and you're you're used to it, um, just circle hooks are made to come back out of their gut. You know, especially a non. You don't want to have a non. You don't want to have an offset circle hook because that'll still catch them in the gut and gut hook them. Yeah, but, you're absolutely right. But non non offset circle hooks are meant to come back out if a fish uh, commits too hard to that bait, um, and it's meant to catch the fish as it's swimming away. And I, I know everybody, a lot of people know this already, and all that kind of stuff. It's just important to kind of reiterate that I've caught some of the best fish of my life on a circle hook, and the thing about it is, it really is less work. Um, I still am guilty sometimes of wanting to jerk the jerk the rod. Um, but I typically have a lot of times it's when I'm mangrove snapper fishing and I've just had enough of the twitching, you know what I mean? I just can't take it anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so you just kind of, you just kind of 
just kind of jerk that rod. But um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of times you still hook them. I mean, it's just it, you just got to have the right moment and make sure that that fish is committed well enough to that bait, uh, which you'll feel if you're feeding it a little bit of line and just letting letting it take line out. We also use knocker rigs, you know. And uh, one thing about a knocker rig that I really like is how easy it is to feel that fish take that line because he's not picking up the weight. Uh, when they're picking up a weight, to me, I don't like jig heads that much. A lot of people do. But if they have to pick the weight up off the, off the bottom, you don't have any feel on that. All you feel is the weight. So, uh, you know, with a knocker rig, you feel them taking that line. Uh, you got more, uh, you know, because you got that egg sinker in, in, in there. And so um, I need that. I need that in order to feel what's going on. Um, but there's also downsides, I guess. Uh, you know, knocker rigs are going to give you more tangles and stuff like that. You know, sometimes you get on an area with snapper bottom, and uh, they'll run it around your, you know, your rig so many times that you'll come up, come up with a mess if you're not too careful. So I just and also when people are dropping their baits, uh, if they're inexperienced fishermen, um, they're that bait might spin all the way around um, the whole way down and you'll have a mess down at the bottom. You won't even realize it. So I always try to make sure when I'm feeding line down that I'm keeping that weight close to the hook so I don't have too much of that. But that's all, you know, pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think the trade-off is a lot more feel. Um, now, seems like a lot of people are using um, lighter and lighter lines also to snapper fish. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like the other day we were out with Scott Kula and he switched over to, I think, 15-pound uh, fluorocarbon leader. Yeah. Um, and I just get so, I'm, I get scared. I get scared of using such light leader. Well, you, you know, and that, and that brings up, a, that brings up a really interesting thing. And I, I think a lot of that is in, in the person's head and there, there's a, there's a lot of variables. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but a few variables that really, um, can make that difference whether or not that lighter line is going to actually have an effect. If you're talking about being afraid, being in a hundred feet of water uh, on a reef or a ledge or a wreck or whatever, and say yeah. you're using, you know, 15 pound line to pull in 10 pound fish, which realistically we do all the time. Oh yeah. However, you know, there is a little bit of a trick to it, but guys, we're going to have a quick break here with the commercials for our sponsors, and we're going to be back with you right after this. Tune in, and we'll get right back to this conversation. Sweet. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Now, back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. This is Captain Zach Sturm. I'm here with Gray Birchall. And uh, if you were just joining us, we're talking a little bit about uh, light tackle fishing offshore and what's going on with that. Uh, Gray, like you were saying in the last segment, you know, when do you know when... Uh, you know, if that 15 pound leader or whatever is good, because like you said, with Scott fishing with a lot of really, really tiny stuff, it kind of gets scary and you wonder if it's going to be okay. Right. But one, one thing that I wanted to touch on with that, there are a couple of variables that I've found personally that will kind of, it'll tell me whether or not I need to go lighter. And uh, one thing that I want to tell you first, though, uh, is something that I learned a long time ago that a lot of other people have over the years 
told me the same thing and reinforced it, which is always good when you know right. you hear something. But it's if you're going snapper fishing, if you're offshore snapper fishing the right way, like we like to do, and that's using pretty much essentially snook tackle. You know, you're talking a seven foot medium heavy or heavy action um, rod with, uh, I'd say thirty pound braided line, maybe forty. Right. You definitely. But want- should that matter? Should it matter what your main line is? Does that mean mm, if you have enough? Not meter? really. The only thing that I found is with uh, sometimes with very very tiny line, you'll get knotted up. And when I say knotted up, I mean like twisted up. Yeah. You're more susceptible to getting, you know, like a wind knot kind of thing. Yeah, we, even with even with a knocker rig, if you get, you know, any part of your leader that gets kind of, I'm pretty sure I, I spool everything with fifty. Do you really? Yeah, but that should be fine. You're not yeah. gonna, you're not gonna really have an issue unless it's like a trolling. You know, like I have two two rigs I troll well, with that have eighty. You're right. You know, and then I have a hundred yards of you know a well, sixty pound or eighty pound mono top shot or something like that. Well, Gray, let me say this. Um, you know, to add to that, I would say that uh, the fifty pound is usually pretty good. I personally use thirty or forty pound on a lot of the offshore a lot of stuff. Seem to use thirty. Um, forty, I think, would be that happy medium, and I've been using that a lot. Thirty pound braid has probably got a breaking strength of about fifty pounds. Yeah, um, it, it's it's super tough, and you know, you rarely are you going to find any type of. Uh, issues using that but uh you know back to the leader before we forget is is we're getting scattered this is bringing up a lot of exciting uh things to talk about yeah, a lot of points that but with that leader um the one thing i've i've learned is if you're dropping down you don't want to use smaller stuff and go up you want to start with the biggest i don't care if it's 50 pound and then go leader lighter. you know 40 pound Usually, I'd say 40 is always a good place to start because you're going to winch up. I don't care if it's a freaking 13-pound mang. You're going to lock the drag down and winch him up. And if he's hooked right, he's not going anywhere. I guess what I'm concerned about is if you actually, you know, let's say that you're you're mangrove snapper fishing. And the next thing you know, you get hit by, I don't know, a gag grouper, you know. And this gag grouper, uh, you know, he's going to find himself a rock. Right. And... uh, that's going to be his goal. Red grouper too. They're going to they're going to try and get into a rock. And you know, gags they say when they get into a rock, they shut the bite down. You almost have to like leave the area and stuff if they're, you know, if you let one get loose. Um, so I guess I get concerned using a 15 pound leader or 20 pound leader just because of the the one off chance that you're going to end up catching a you know hooking a fish that's that's larger. Uh, sometimes even if you pick up like a kingfish on the bottom, you know, if you're on a a 30 or 40 pound fluorocarbon you got a much better shot of getting that fish to the boat than you do if you're looking on a 15 just because you know it's got thicker line to get his teeth through even though even though those teeth are razor sharp and sometimes it, it only takes a second but um you know they still just you're giving yourself a slightly better chance i just get i guess i get nervous of missing the uh and the one-off fish you know the fish of the day i guess you'd say um, gags and red grouper though, um, you know, they'll get you in a rock and 15 pound leader. If, if that's all you got on, it might, yeah, it might no, 100%, 100%. And, you know, back, back to what you were talking about with the, you know, using a 40 or 50 pound main line for your braid. Yeah, man. When that comes down to it, cause I mean, if the fish is going to see it, they're usually going to see the braid anyway. I'd say if anything, it's going to give you that abrasion resistance. If you just right. get this crazy ass fish. You know, if you have if you're out fishing a wreck and you get a big African pompano or a cobia or something that's just gonna you know run around 
and you never know if you're gonna have this fish that's I, I've had fish break off the line. I don't know what the hell it was, but I yeah. think what they almost did we was run Thursday, by a shark, Friday. you know? Yeah. It's like, because you have it broken off way up the you line. You had a hook get straightened on Friday. I did have a hook get straightened on Friday. That, yeah. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. And uh, that rarely ever happens, too. And let me tell you something about hooks, guys. Uh, if you're talking about, we love most brands of hooks. We don't really, we try to be as objective as possible. And I can tell you that if you're talking about going to you know your local Wally World or whatever and getting what what the hell are the ones that are they Eagle Claws Eagle, the, Claw. Eagle Claws yeah so if you're getting an Eagle Claw those are damn good hooks I still buy them to this day I buy that packet the Eagle Claw it's like the Eagle Claw Circle Hook Kit yeah and absolutely it's like five bucks and it's got like Everything. I don't know like two hundred hooks in it but one thing but for I will say fishing and light grouper fishing it's it's perfect it's all you need and occasionally. You know, like we, I mean, we've caught a, I've caught a tuna on one of those hooks before. 100%. You don't so. have to buy the big fancy tournament edition hooks and, you know, yeah. from the big names, even though a lot of those hooks are made very well. I've, I think both work. One thing I will tell you on that though. Don't be afraid to change them though, because the Eagle Claw might. Yes. Yeah. And I would size up on the Eagle Claw a little bit over the, like if you're going with a more expensive hook. I'd say, I'd say for you guys at home, if do what I do, I would start, I don't care if you're fishing for uh, mangoes or hogfish or whatever, I would start with their three aught hook. Yeah. Their three aught hook is a good, strong hook. The four aught, it, it's, once you get to the four aught Eagle Claw circle hook, that thing gets fatter, and that that yeah. that you could catch a grouper with that no problem. Once you get into like the six aught, seven aught, I don't think you're straightening that thing out for no. anything. What was the hook that you were on that you straightened out the other day? Um, I think it was Friday a week ago or whatever. You know, I I don't recall. I, I think it was. Damn it, you know, because I, I think what I, I recall it was red. It was Jer- It was probably one of those eagle claws that I yeah. straightened out, and I never because I remember. I think it was Curtis giving me hell saying, or, or Lauren giving me hell saying that Jared would give me, you know, a hard time about using tiny tackle. I've caught big fish on tiny tackle. My 65 pound Wahoo, just to tell you guys, um, I caught that thing on a, it was probably a six inch wire leader that had a snelled J hook on that is so tiny. I, I still oh, have one. It wasn't even. Uh, I, I still. I it still wasn't have single a, strand wire then either, was it? Uh, no, absolutely it not. Was that braided wire black stuff that you can buy? No, it the, was the silver one too. And I'll tell you where I got it. Yeah. Uh, there was a Kmart that we used to have up in uh, on. I think it was on. Uh, what's that? It's not the best part of town. Is it North Boulevard or or? I, I don't know, but it, yeah. there used to be a Kmart up there north of Hillsboro, and uh, okay. they they were going out of business, and they had all of their fishing stuff. I I just pretty much had an open checkbook. I went in there one day, and I spent probably three hundred dollars and got three thousand dollars worth of stuff. Nice. Now, the problem with that is, is you end up buying a bunch of stuff that I still have that I've never Doesn't in a million make sense. Don't yeah. need it. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, the cool thing about that was I used that pre-made rig, and I caught that fish just by cutting off a bottom rod and i had no idea what in the hell i was doing but i'll tell you what that one fish hooked me into saltwater fishing for life and there's no way in hell i logically should have been able to not straighten that hook out with the size of this wahoo it hooked it right where it needed to yeah you know but all i'm saying guys is you gotta understand you don't have to spend a fortune on hooks to make them work because i've had hooks like the nice gamagatsus and stuff that 
I absolutely love. They're great hooks. They're damn sharp. But I've broken those off on Amberjack, you know, like had yeah. the hooks break off, mm-hmm. you know, under pressure. So it happens with all hooks. Uh, if somebody can prove to me wrong, well, I'll let you know if there's a stronger hook. But yeah, I wouldn't worry about it, guys. One thing I would say, though, is, yeah, well, you can go to Walmart and get these things. But you know what? To hell with Walmart. You know, they have plenty of money. And what we need to be looking at right now in such difficult times when a lot of people are struggling is we got to remember our little guys, our mom and pop tackle stores that keep, you know, they're employing our local families. They're owned by our local families. And those are the people that we need to be giving money to. Because if you think about it, you might be paying, I don't know what, 60 cents more for a pack of hooks or 50 cents more or a buck or whatever. You got to understand if you have to drive across town to another store in order to get that thinking you're saving money, you would have not only supported a local business if you just picked it up there with all the other good stuff that yeah. there's no way Walmart's going to have, but you also would have spent more on that. You're pretty much spending more in gas based upon the logistics to get the same thing. So, Well, the other thing that I do uh, when I'm dealing with tackle shops and stuff like that is... Uh, I would buy from them just based on the fact that I get it. You know, you can get advice. Nobody, nobody at a big box, a big box store is going to be able to give you advice about what you know, uh, what it is that's going on right now, um, what the successful anglers are using, stuff like that. What they personally fish with. Uh, a lot of these guys obviously are experienced and good fishermen, um, fisher people. So if uh, you know you want to get some advice. So anytime I've ever, uh, you know, gone um, out of town or if I'm fishing around here, if I go to Gandy Bait or something like that, I know that I can talk to them and find out who's catching what, where they're catching it. Not exactly where they're catching it, but who's catching what, general areas um, and things like that. So, you know, similar information that you would get to like, you know, uh, our page at Tampa Offshore. But yeah, Tampa Offshore Fishing on Facebook. Join it if you haven't. Yep. But, um, but at the same time, you're also, you know, you're talking live to a real angler and of course he wants you to catch fish because if you catch fish, you're going to break, you know, tackle and have to buy more leader and, and all this other kind of stuff. So he'll see you again. So you're, it's a vested interest of theirs, but yeah, you buy the stuff at Walmart and you, there's just nobody there you can talk to, to ask a question about, I mean, if, who, who would you ask? Um, they, they'd have no idea. So especially if you're, you're just learning that advice that you're going to get from somebody in that tackle shop is worth more than saving the, uh, you know, the couple dollars to get it at Walmart. Uh, cause you're going to get real advice about real fishing because these people actually fish. Yeah. And there's no question about that. You know, it kind of reminds me, uh, you know, big shout out if you're a local listener and you know, uh, Gandy bait and tackle, uh, owned by my friend, Bill Robinson, great guy. Uh, right. Zach's there too, you know? great guy even better name uh he he uh bill taught me what to do that resulted in me catching my first redfish which was not only my first redfish it was my first saltwater game fish yeah in the tampa bay area and what he told me was he just said you know what you just need some of that some of that pink andy Mm -hmm. it probably cost me three bucks he could have sold me the the fluorocarbon and whatever he he did He'd rather give somebody good advice. And yeah. he said, pair it with a one-aught circle hook. He goes, take a couple dozen of these shrimp in a bucket with a bubbler. Make sure that they stay alive. But if not, you know what? They'll work still too when they're dead, which is another fun thing. 
buy his fresh dead shrimp right. if you're hog fishing and stuff. You can make it rain and get all kinds of awesome fish because the hogs are still going to eat it and it's fine. But uh, yeah, take your local advice from your tackle shops. You will catch good fish. But guys, we're going to go to our last break here. We will be right back with you in a second. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa. On 102.5 The Bone. Now, back to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa. On 102.5 The Bone. Hey, welcome back, guys. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. This is Captain Zach Sturm. Hey, I wanted to, before we get into conversation quick, I wanted to talk about our friends at Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa. They have been doing a great job to make sure that their customers are being treated well and taking into account everything that's been going on with the coronavirus in the Tampa Bay area. If you're looking for a place to get a new or pre-owned vehicle, check out my friends at Rivard Buick GMC and just ask them you know, about the deals they have going on. Now is the time, if you're a well-qualified buyer, to get a new car because trust me, they have some of the best financing rates right now in the industry and it's available to you know all the tampa bay area customers so give my friends a call if you're looking for a vehicle they'll even deliver your new vehicle and make sure that your test driven vehicles and such are sanitized so yeah hats off to those guys are doing a great job and we appreciate them uh but you know back to what we were talking about gray we have uh a lot of these local tackle shops which you know kind of ties into the whole buy local during the coronavirus and stuff right a lot of you guys are you know home that would rather be working and you know you're a hard worker but you're probably stir crazy because you're wondering you know why the hell can't i go to work and and we feel you we really empathize with that situation but one thing i will say guys if you have a little bit of savings go fishing even if you're just bank beaten you will have more peace of mind and maybe a dinner to go with it that's true you know yeah you'll kill two birds with one stone exactly but probably don't kill two actual birds with a stone because (laughs) i I don't know if i could kill one bird with two stones honestly i mean i I hope hopefully we never have to try that but you know but no i mean back to it guys this is a good time to connect with your friends your family your loved ones in a responsible manner you know don't go out in big groups and stuff but there's no reason you can't get together, you know, with a buddy and wade fish because I sure as hell hope you're six feet apart if you're wade fishing. Oh yeah, you know that's a social distancing. Smacking each other with rods. Yeah, that's <laughs> a Drew sport. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we uh, you know, we have such a great opportunity here where even though a lot of you guys that are hard workers and you've been put in a really crappy situation by this. Use it to your advantage and turn it around into a success. Spend that extra time with your kids while they're home from school. Teach them about fishing. Spend that time with your significant other. You know, I could go on and on, but, you know, just try to look at the silver lining on this. That way, when things do pick up and you're back to work and the country recovers, which it's going to, you know, believe you me, all of these companies and big business are preparing for it. Um, It's just going to be making sure that you don't drive yourself crazy in the meantime. So, you know, that's that's my only, you know, soapbox comment that I have on that that whole thing. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, go go fishing. You know, take a kid fishing, take your woman fishing. Yeah. Guys, I don't know if you know it, but women women think the guys that fish are sexier than guys that don't. I mean, I I think that is that true? Is that true? Okay, just just making sure. 
we're we're, uh, we're recording from. I think uh, there's a natural thing. Like if if you're a dude and you can do stuff outside and uh, like go find dinner and things like that. It's it's almost I like think, that yeah, meme I on think Facebook. Women, women like that. Just just so you guys know, it's like we're literally recording this in my living room in our mobile studio, and uh, I, I've got Lauren looking at me, and she's she's like, "Yep, that's pretty much right." But one hundred percent, I saw this meme that was on Facebook the other day. I think it said like girls are looking at guys now. It's like wondering if he could be a post-apocalyptic warlord or something like that. <laughs> and it says yeah. the guy with skinny jeans isn't looking so good anymore, yeah, is yeah. he? But, uh, but yeah, guys, we have, uh, you know, we have some great stuff that we're going to be doing. And even though that we can't be on the air all the time, you know, you guys get to listen to us for three hours, which you probably either love or you're like, Oh my God, I can't do fishing and this craziness <laughs> for three hours. Right. But, uh, you can get with us uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at Tampa Offshore Fishing Group on Facebook and also Tampa Bay Fishing Group on Facebook. Um, not the Tampa Bay Club one. We don't like that one. Um, it's <laughs> it's not a good one. It's kind of just a bunch of spam and you know they, they ask for money at the same time in between it. We, we're not a fan, but... Uh, we can tell you that at Tampa Bay Fishing, three words, and Tampa Offshore Fishing, we're going to do a lot of giveaways. We have great information, and we care about you, the extra angler. We're not looking for a handout from anybody. We're not trying to guilt you into paying a subscription for membership or anything like that. We want you to get good information and to enjoy yourself. I mean, because yeah. Facebook fishing groups, man, they... They're crazy. They they come in all shapes and sizes. That's for sure. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, any but anywhere between a uh, a Facebook live fist fight at a boat ramp to a uh, you know somewhere maybe getting. I think Jeff won that from yeah. from what I heard. Yeah, Allegedly, yeah, he did. He did. I, I watched it. I sat at. Uh, I was sitting at the bar at Hooters, uh, <laughs> and I pull up my phone. And I'm was this at the it. night of the Lunker thing, or was that just no, like? No, that a, was LunkerCon. That was. Uh, I actually. I mean. Hey, what's Jeff's info so that the listeners aren't aren't familiar with him? What's his What's his Facebook group? Jeff Jeff Groves? No, no, Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff Lung, Maggio. Lung, yeah, um, he, he's, he his stuff's always enjoyable. He has a couple actually, but um, there's Rant Monsters. There's Real Guy <laughs> Lunker Club. Let's see, Real Guy Lunker Club. Real Guy Lunker Club. Um, we we went to LunkerCon. Had a great. But th- these guys, you know, they're they're funny and they catch a lot of snook and stuff. Oh, I think there's a new one. Cool folks, but uh, there's Lunker Dog University. Lunker Dog University. Yeah, yeah, this guy's hilarious. Uh, and speaking of, speaking of universities, though, um, you know, big shout out to my friend Captain C. A. Richardson from Flats Class. Uh, if you may be familiar with his TV show, but he also has what's called Flats Class University, which is a fantastic online program that's free. Right. You can have access to information that can make you a better angler, and he's not going to charge you a dime. It's just his way of, he's teamed up with his son on it, very talented uh, internet and media production type, and they have created one of the best educational tools for fishermen I've ever seen. And uh, I would definitely recommend you guys check it out. That's CaptainCARichardson.com, and check out Flats Class University. You can learn to fish like a badass. I know that he taught me a lot to get where I am, and I think he can do the same for each and every one of you listening. So uh, definitely got to give him a nod for that. Because, I mean, what the hell else are we going to do during you know this 
suggested shutdown. And I mean, the best thing we can do, guys, is kind of stay in the house or go fishing. And if you can't be out on the water, you might as well learn how to be better while you're out on the water. Absolutely. And uh, from what I found, you don't have to, that doesn't cost you money if you go to the right place. I'm posting in uh, Real Guy Lunker Club right now. Shout out to Real Guy Lunker Club and Tampa Bay Fishing Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it used to be, so it used to be Ramp Monsters, and it was, um, do you remember Michael O'Gorman when he, he's uh, dragging a Goliath grouper up off that ramp out there uh, in Fort Lauderdale? Mm-hmm. You've seen that YouTube video? Yeah, yeah. So that's like this whole group that started from that called Ramp Monsters, and it got real crazy. Um, but hilarious. The the sense of humor there is really strong. And then they got rid of ramp monsters. Then they made ramp gods, <laughs> which was like a special group that you could only be in if you like had a certain amount of engagement in ramp monsters. And also you had to like get the sense of humor, or else they wouldn't let you in. Um, yeah. So then like so then there's real guy Lunker Club, which is ramp monsters uh, continuation. And then there's ramp monsters too. So it's really weird stuff but it's hilarious and some of it is the sense of humor there is just it's very different um and you kind of almost have to just decipher it sometimes because there's like long-term deep jokes um but man it's like it's actually one of my favorite fishing groups um of course tampa offshore is more like informative and the thing about tampa offshore is we're pretty awesome it's the most badass fishing page ever we also just we monitor the <laughs> I'm page. biased. We monitor the page nonstop to make sure that you know you're not going to get a political post too much in there. You're not going to get spam. You're not going to get junk. Uh, you're not going to get somebody in there starting a fight. Yeah, um, it's 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 a yeah. you know we're not going to have an t- informative page. Yeah, we're we're not going to have too 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 many. But you know, it's one of those things. At the same time, you don't have to. It's not going to be like some of these you know want to be charity pages or whatever where you're going to have you know vindictive moderators and administrators that you know kind of they're kind of like the fake news as you would call it we, tr- yeah. we try to be as objective as we can we want you to have good content if yep. somebody's posting a bunch of crap and spam we're going to delete it just because if if i scroll through tampa offshore fishing on facebook yep and i'm like hey i'm enjoying this experience good if i see something i think sucks i'm like get that out of there and i'll delete it you know nobody wants to hear about you guys want to hear that, uh, you know, Armando Martinez was catching a ton of redfish, you know, somewhere. Or, you know, one of these guys, Captain John Gunter, was, you know, slaying the fish that day. Good captain, by the way. Check him out. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you want to hear local stuff about that. You don't want to hear about catching brook trout in, you know, Alaska or something like that. I mean, there's no it's place It's relevant to Tampa Bay Offshore or Tampa Offshore Fishing. If, if you wanted to hear that, you would... Uh, Probably join a Alaska or a Georgia stream brook trout. Right. Uh, do they even have brook trout in Alaska? I don't know what. I don't know. My, no, my uncle lives in Seward, but I, I clearly I haven't been visiting Alaska. So yeah, uh, my dad's probably laughing at that right now. But uh, yeah, I mean we have uh, we have a great platform between that and you know our radio show here on 102.5 The Bone, where we get to reach out to all of you every single weekend. And we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, you know, the ratings are saying that you do, but you know, I I love it when you guys come up to us in public and just kind of BS about the show. And you know, it means a lot. It really does because we've worked really hard to make sure that we can provide fishing education and entertainment. But the, at the end of the day, I think we're more entertainment than anything else. If you, you'll go to Captain C. A. Richardson if you want to get you know 
like flats class university schooling and stuff that's not quite my forte but if you guys want to have a good time bs about stuff and get good information mm-hmm. that's what tampa bay fishing radio and tampa offshore fishing are probably best at right but uh you know gray one thing it looks like we're winding down uh we got a, only a few more minutes left in this uh in this this whole thing this yep. show for uh, this weekend but uh you know one thing i wanted to talk about what's a fish that you haven't caught yet you know we've been catching a lot of great fish what's one that you haven't caught yet that you'd really like to just slay i mean i'd probably have to say maybe a yellowfin tuna yellowfin tuna are great <laughs> i've i've caught a lot of blackfin in my life um you know but i've never caught a yellowfin or an, or a bluefin but i'd be more kind of interested in catch seems like bluefin are probably um more complex as well far as what you're allowed to do with you know one thing stuff. when all this stuff gets taken care of and we have uh when when the the scare Ability. of the virus is gone and we're not having you know the state blocked off because i'm not about to do like a big quarantine or something right i would definitely recommend for yellowfin tuna we will get with my buddy captain woody woods nice that's literally his name woody woods woody woods that's easy yeah you can check him out woods offshore on instagram yeah the dude slays big tuna and billfish in venice louisiana and we fished with him before caught some nice yellowfin tuna um but yeah yeah he's a great guy to check out uh captain woody woods uh big shout out to him check him out on instagram got a lot of cool stuff there but yeah i mean oh look 50 i'm looking at his thing right now 55 pound wahoo they 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 kill it man yeah but uh, you know my my thing is is i think that if i could catch any fish i would love to be on light tackle in the everglades and catch a sawfish you know i've never caught one of those before we get them in the tampa bay area charlotte harbor area every once in a while but those sawfish are so crazy they're like a freaking dinosaur they are they're 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 pretty rare though aren't they i mean i've never i've never seen one in person yeah if you've ever caught it if you've ever caught a sawfish Post it to Tampa Offshore Fishing because I would love to take a look at that. I think it would be super cool. So definitely post one if you guys have seen one. But uh, but yeah, um, what are your what's your let's you know they're what's your goals for this week? You know you got a lot of time on our hands. Unfortunately, what are you going to try to get done this week when it comes to fishing? Looks like we're going to go out on Thursday with Captain Thursday, Pablo. And let me look. Yeah, guys, um, we're going. The weather still looks decent. It doesn't look awesome. That's eh, going to be two footers. Um, that so that's all right. Uh, looks like this Saturday and Sunday have really calmed down. Um, you know, Monday Monday we're probably going to fish inshore. Yeah, um, we're going to go out Monday. Yeah, and and really it's going to be kind of casual. Um, and then Thursday, I guess uh, we're going to go out with Pablo. And um, I don't know. I mean, real Coquina Charters. Yeah, Real Coquina. Good guy. He's got a lot of cancellations lately from out-of-state clients. So book him. Ask for the Tampa Offshore Fishing Discount. He'll hook you up. Nice. Real Coquina Charters. Yeah, he does a great job. You know, yeah, One absolutely. thing that's funny about Pablo is, um, you know, we're fishing with him the other day. And uh, we're fishing with him the other day, and he gets, um, like, nervous about some areas that you and I fish all the time and, and kill it. And he's afraid, right. like, he's going to let us down. I'm like, Pablo, stop. <laughs> We're making the decisions together as a boat. Like, you don't have to worry about us. We're not your charter. Uh, exactly. You know, but he, but he's just, you know, he really wants to put people on fish. 
he cares about even that. his friends he, yeah you know he doesn't hold back yeah, he, he, he holds himself responsible for it if it's a bad or you know bad day um but yeah we haven't had a bad day with pablo we've always caught uh a lot of fish with him and uh the other thing about pablo is man his boat is clean absolutely and yeah. guys offshore charters are not cheap yeah he's a guy with a clean boat and a hard work ethic to catch yeah. great fish Real Coquina Charters, give him a call if you're in the Tampa Bay area and ask for the Tampa Offshore Fishing discount. And if you haven't already, join Tampa Offshore Fishing on Facebook. We love you guys. We can't wait to be back next week. Check us out on our Facebook and everything. In the meantime, see how Gray and I do on Monday and on Thursday before the next radio show. But we hope that you guys are well and be blessed, be healthy, and thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. We're out of here. You're listening to Tampa Bay Fishing Radio, presented by Rivard Buick GMC in Tampa on 102.5 The Bone.